That's your t-shirt now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. No, it's good to see you, man. Like I, uh, it's I, great to be seen. It's great to be seen. It yeah. is. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah. I mean, how many years? I, I, literally since I came here. I was thinking about years. this thing today. Because the first time we met, I was doing more ready man ish mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And we were in that lawn mowing. We, we were sharing an office with lawn mowers and de-icers and whatnot. And I met you and I think it was your ex. Yeah. It was you and your ex. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, um, because we were doing, you know what we were doing? We were doing a uh, concealed carry course. Yep. Yeah. And that's... In that that's how, six, what, six years ago? Five years easily, ago? Yeah, six years ago. Well, it's been four years since I've been in here. Four years since yeah. I've been in this place. It's crazy. Time flies. Dude, a lot. Like, a lot's changed. Yeah. Like, you got a new family, basically. Well, not a new family. Your kids are the same. Chip our teeth and yeah, make millions of dollars go public. <laughs> Where do we want to start? Where do we start? I, I, I got to start <laughs> with, like, like, lions, not sheep. Yeah. Because you started that seven years ago, six years Two, ago, two thousand sixteen officially. Sixteen is when I incorporated yeah. it. And so the the cool thing about this is is when you first started, Jim used to help out yeah. back in the Staley. day. Yeah, he used to do the some of the combative stuff yep. with you guys. And then Jim and I worked together at the agency for I years. Don't know, years. So when I first heard about you, it was through Jim because he was doing the combatives piece for Lions Not Sheep. Yeah. He, like they're beating people beating up. Beating the shit out of yeah, each yeah. other. Yeah, Signing yeah. death waivers, making sure nobody would sue <laughs> me. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and now Jim runs Tac Gas. We had him on the show like, yep. last year. So if you guys want to go back and listen to that. So Jim Staley has been a good buddy of mine, good buddy of yours. He's a badass. He's a badass. He sells me lots clothes. of really expensive toys that you can't get on the civilian market. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's like, there's like a group of Utahns right here that are like just savages, fun, freedom loving fucking yeah. savages. Yeah. And we all kind of know each other, right? Yeah. It's like, we all kind of know each other. Good group of up. guys. Really yeah. good group of guys. Really good group of guys. Yeah. It was fun though. Like, uh, I think I even talked to you about doing that because Neil came and yeah. helped out with the Lions of Sheep experience and stuff and beating the shit out of these guys. And yeah. Jim, Got his rocks off on watching these middle-aged entrepreneurs getting crushed. And it was fun. It's been fun. I like, so, so I like the Genesis story. Like I like kind of your, your move into Lions Not Sheep. Yeah. And I think it'd be cool just to hear it from your perspective. Like yeah. how, how the fuck did this thing get started? And I know you've, you've said it a million yeah, times, yeah. but you got to say it again. No, so. it's, it's cool. Like I, I went through a really nasty divorce. I mean, people can Google the story and stuff and I wrote about it in my book, but um, after my divorce, you know, I was in a really, really dark place. It was that middle age. I don't know what a midlife crisis is, but if it's leaving your marriage, burning your business to the ground, sticking your head up your ass for two years and trying to figure out why you're even alive, like that's where I was at. And I remember vividly one day just being in this place where I had literally burned everything to the ground, left everything. Friends, family, people had really nothing to do on social media. I had like 200 friends on social media and was just in this space. And one day I was looking at this catalog and, and Lions Nuts Sheep popped in my brain. And it wasn't written someplace. I didn't see it on a billboard or on a wall or something right. like that. It just, it popped into my mind. 
And I, I believe in God and I think God works in mysterious ways and who the hell knows how and why, but it, it was one of those things that it just wouldn't leave my brain. It just kept bouncing around and it was in there and it was in there for a couple of different, for a couple of days. And it, I realized that it became kind of my personal mantra. Like it wasn't a hat, it wasn't a t-shirt, it wasn't incorporated, it wasn't right. a business. It was literally something that I wrote in my, my bathroom mirror that I looked at every morning and it was it was very representative to me of how I had lived my life and how I wanted to live my life. I did what I was told since I was a little kid, you know, went to church, did the deal, started the business, got married, had the white picket fence, da, 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 I was saving, was investing, all of these other things. And when I burned everything to the ground, I questioned all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's real? Like, I had never really questioned God before. I just did this because this is what mom and dad did. And this is what everybody else did. And here's what the missionaries told me. And this is what the Bible says. And the, the good book says, and I'd never actually gone on a journey to figure out who the fuck I really was. Like I'd never gone on a journey to create a relationship with God. I just said my prayers. Cause that's what, what you did. And so lions and not sheep literally became my personal mantra. It's what drove me. It's what drove me to like explore, to ask more questions. It was 32 years old living this robotic, sheepish life. Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Cool, check. Is this what I'm supposed to do? Check. And I was miserable. I was literally suicidal. I was fucking miserable. And so for almost two years, it became my personal mantra before I ever, ever even talked to anybody about it, before I ever orated it, before I ever wrote about it on social media, it, it, it became what I embodied. And I think that's what makes the brand so rad now for me is that a lot of people think it was just this catchphrase and I threw it on a t-shirt and now we you know make millions of dollars selling apparel. It was my personal like rebirth right. from where I was in my early years, my kind of 1.0 to my 2.0. And, and since then, it's just, it's exploded. I mean, it, I think that's what's really powerful for me is when I see people wearing the brand, when I see the messages come in, like I know you get for like, this changed my life and da, 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 da. It's, I get that mm-hmm. because that's what it did for me. That's where I was, was in that space of like, What's up? What's down? What's right? What's wrong? What's good? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? And watching people encapsulate that same ideology is what's really what's powerful to me. It's life-changing for me. You know what I mean? Because I because I know exactly where people are at. I know right. where I was. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. I see, as I look around and I look <laughs> at, we're, we're roughly the same age. You're 43, yeah. I'm 44. I look at my peer group and I look at a lot of 40-year-old males and what drives their decision-making is fear, mm-hmm. not courage. Right. That's one thing that I like about what you guys do with Lions Not Sheep is you guys are preaching something that I think is, and I don't know if preaching is the correct word, but you're, you're trying to break paradigms and get men to think about things differently. Yeah. And that's always been my, my thing. When I, when I talk to guys, I'm like, you need to reach down, like grab a couple couple of stones down there and stop living your life with fucking right. fear and start making decisions based on what you want to do. I fucking love listening to your stuff because you're like kicking people in the ass. You're out same there thing. telling people to do the same shit. Right. And it's rad because I can see it. I can, you, you can see your transformation too over the, the last several years. Yeah. I look at your social media. I'm like, fucking dude is happy, man. Like, like. You seem happy. I really am. We were talking about before we got on, like I, I, we're not, I never ask questions, you know? I mean, being 43, having five kids. You have five like, kids? I have three, three and then oh, yeah, I got remarried yeah, last yeah. year. So I have two stepsons. 
But like, I never asked questions. Right. Like I grew up in a household where why? Well, because I'm yeah. dad, just my dad would always say that. And so I was programmed as a little kid. Like I just do as I'm told. Right. Right. Cause when you question something, it's, it's almost like bad. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that nature, being a little kid, not exploring, not asking questions, just literally doing what you're told that becomes your norm. And that became my norm. And I realized I went through elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, okay, here's what you need to do now to go be successful. Instead of saying, well, why? I don't like school. I don't want to go to more school. I don't want to do, I want to go do this or I want to go do that. No, 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 no. This is what you do to be successful. This is what mom did and dad did and grandma and grandpa. And this is look at the world. This is what everybody does. Right. And I, I think having lived that lifestyle, having lived that life, like being 32 years old, wondering, I didn't even know I was alive. Like I went, I brought it all the way down to the simplest thing. Like, why am I even here? Right. Like, you know, there's this fucking, we're on this rock that's flying through the cosmos that we really don't know what the hell's out there. Right. Science says they know, but we don't fucking know. We haven't found the bottom of the ocean yet. And I started looking at it going, what do we really know? Like, what do I really know? And it's a scary place. It's a vulnerable place, but I think that's also a really powerful fucking place to just start questioning everything. And so it now at 43, I ask why more than my kids do. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it allows me to go on this journey. But most men, like you said, they don't. They don't. Why? Because now we have public, this public thing called social media where like when you ask why, well, am I, am I look dumb. I might be, somebody might think I'm stupid, right? Or I'm going to be judged, whatever, whatever. And I realized a couple of years ago that like, no matter what I do, and you know this, no matter what you do with this company, people are going to judge a fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. Whether you make millions, lose millions, it doesn't matter. And I started seeing like, no matter what I do, there's always going to be a critic. There's always going to be somebody that judges me, right? If I'm ripped, it's because I take steroids and I'm a juice head, whatever, <laughs> whatever, right? But if I'm fat, then I'm a lazy piece of shit, right? Okay, well, so what does that mean, right? What's right? What's wrong? What's good? If if I'm, you know, here or I'm here, then somebody's going to judge me. And so I just started looking at life like, okay, cool. Like knowing that reality, what do I want? Like, I think it's one of the most powerful questions I've asked millionaires this question, billionaires this question, like, what do you want? It's one of the hardest questions for people to answer because mm-hmm. most people come off with these rudimentary answers like I did. I want to be happy. I want a family. I want a good business. You know, I want a retirement. What do you really fucking want? And I started looking at that question and I didn't know how to answer it. And that's kind of been my journey the last seven, eight, nine years. It's like, what do I really fucking want? Like, we we're just talking like shooting bows. I want to, I want to go play with my kids today. I don't want to go to an office. I don't want to fucking punch a clock. I want to go play with my kids today. That's what I really want. You know what I mean? Do I want to have a business that I have to be at 12 hours a day? No, I want to go play. I want to go to the beach, right? And that sounds really weird to a lot of people because that's not normal. It's not how we were programmed. And so I think what's really fun now is, is you know, we can look at social media as this negative, this, you know, ruining marriages, ruining relationships, ruining families, ruining whatever, whatever. I look at it the exact opposite. It's allowed me to explore you know, somebody like Joe Rogan, you listen to, and you just like has these incredible conversations with people. And it's inspiring me to have conversations with people. And, you know, being 43, looking at it, saying at some point in time, my ticket's going to be punched. Why would I spend one fucking second, whether I'm, I look like this, look like this, earn like this, you know, you're, you're rich. You must be a snake oil salesman. You're poor. You've got to be this. Like, no matter where the fuck I go, somebody's going to say something about it. So why do I really fucking care? Because 99.9% of those people aren't going to be my funeral. They're not paying my bills. 
they're not hanging out drinking coffee with me and shooting guns with me. So why do I fucking care? You know, and I think rewriting that story is what's really inspiring to me with Lions and Not Sheep is showing men, because I could tell you, hey, go do this. But that's then me telling you what to go do. I want to, I want to open people up to possibility. You know what I mean? What the fuck do I know about race cars? Not a whole lot. That's why I went and bought one. Right. Now I drive this race car and I'm pretty much dead last in every single race that I'm at, but I'm getting faster with every single fucking race. Right. But at 43 years old, I'm like, that sounds fun to go do. So I went out and bought a fucking Aston Martin race car. And it's like, what if I lived my life like that? What if I decided I'm going to go do this and you just go do it? I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go to do it versus, well, you can't do that till you're 65 and you got to retire and you have to, all these other things, you know? Anyways, I could talk about this stuff forever. Uh, that's why I wanted you here. Yeah. <clears throat> I think about it a lot. What's Joe's longest podcast? Let's beat it. <laughs> Joe, we're coming for you. <laughs> I think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think about those things that you were describing because I I have this, um, and, it, and it's hard for me to explain, whereas like I always keep this stuff kind of under wraps in the way where I'm not out there like that this is in my profession. Like my profession is to go out and roast coffee and, you know, sell coffee, make, you know, great coffee, do a million different things. But when people are talking to me about, well, what's a secret? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I'm just do what I want to do. Like, and I don't accept anything other than this is what I want to do. And nobody's going to deter me from what I think is mission success. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I have no, like nobody pushed me down when I was a kid. Like nobody fucking picked on me. I'm short. I don't have any fucking size issues. Like I'm perfectly content just doing exactly what I want to do all the fucking time and accepting no excuses. I had a conversation with my wife like three years ago. She'll probably kill me for saying this, but I'm like, if you're not interested in living an exceptional life, you're not interested in being with me. It's just the bottom line. And she's like, uh, okay, like what? I just needed to get it out there. Yeah. It's like, if you're not into it, then you're not into me. I'm not going to accept like not ringing every fucking second out of the life that has been given to me. And I think for me, I got here a different way, right? You got here, I think, I think you and I see the world very similarly. And I think that what you're what you're doing out there is a fucking incredible service. So by the way, I'm also like saying like Sean does a great fucking job doing what he does. Thank you. And you should absolutely go and check him out. So I'm got a hundred percent endorsement. But we got here different ways. Like I got here because I remember I was in Iraq, we'll call it like whatever, oh three during the invasion. And um I we were, we were doing something and we need to get somewhere real fast. And I was like, well, shit, we're locked into this traffic grid. And then what I realized was there's an open lane on the other side, but that means you're going into oncoming traffic. Oh, wait, we can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> so I turned to the left. I went into ongoing traffic and we pointed our guns down the road and we pushed people out of the way and we fucking got to where we needed to go. And I was like, wait a minute. The rules don't apply to me anymore. They don't apply. Like our regular, like lockstep society rules, they don't apply to me. I can do whatever it is that I want to do in order to achieve mission success. As long as I'm following like rules of engagement, which are kind of general guidelines, but we can get there. 
And then I spent nine years just doing that on a repetitional cycle. And I, what I told people is my job was like, I would rob a bank on a regular basis. Like that's the way, because you're going out and you're risking life, limb, and eyesight. And then you're coming back and you're doing that every night over and over and over and over again. You're planning it, executing it, and you're beating the fucking scumbags at their own game, right? But what that did was that freed me personally just to look at life differently. Like it just freed me. Like I, I, I was having this conversation with my buddy. I was baking scones. And um, he was like, fucking baking scones, man? Like... What don't you do? What are you like? <laughs> are you like questioning your sexuality? I'm like, yo, dude, I'm a Green Beret. That went no, to I like to eat food, CIA. bro. Yeah. Like I could be fucking baking scones and high heels sucking a dick and, and <laughs> nobody's going to fucking question whether or not I've done what it I'll is still that I need to do. Than everybody out yeah, there. yeah. But it's like, I see what you're doing and I see like the way that I view the world and we're so fucking similar. And I wish what I could give to people all the time is like, Man, if I could inject you with like something that I got, which is I'm infected with just being able to take out all the rules and just create my own thing and go, this is just what I want to do. People think there's some type of weird, like you said, it's like, what's the secret? Snake, yeah, what's the secret? Yeah. The secret is plan and fucking execute. Yeah. Like that's all it is. But I mean, obviously- Do you think that's when it came to you? I just had a curiosity, like, because I was going to ask you, like, was your dad that way? Because I know you're like super close with your, with your dad. But, like, was it that, was it that one moment? Because I think, I don't know if everybody has a moment or if it's something they're built into. Like, I remember like kind of my moment. Was that your moment when you're like, oh shit, like driving down the other side of the road? Or was it before it, that, do you think? It was the, it was what opened it. Yeah. It, that That is the key that- Opened it. Because I think every guy has that, like, fuck the rules. I'm going to make it myself. But then we go to a job, then we do a deal, then whatever, whatever. And there's never, like, that moment. You know what I mean? What I realized was, like, over the course of those nine and a half years is that fear could not motivate your decision making. The results had to motivate it. And then you had to squash fear. So if you're making fear-based decisions, then you need to... Uh, and and everybody has a certain amount of fear based on, you know, X, Y, and Z or emotional insecurity or psychological insecurity, whatever it might be. But for me, I realized that fear can't rule my decision-making. What had to rule my decision-making was what, what do I want? And then flush all the fucking fear out of it yeah. and just pursue it and accept zero... Anything else, there's zero deviation. It is what it is. It is a azimuth and you're moving on it. And if you, you can go around, like this is what mm-hmm. I've told people. I'm like, you can work your way around different Pivot. terrain. Yeah. It might take you a little bit longer, yep. but you still have a goal. If your goal is to go to the top of the fucking mountain, go to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Like except nothing uh, uh, short of, of death mm-hmm. as your result. And then yeah, you just do it. Like that's the thing I like about it. Cause you'll go out, I've seen this couple, like I've seen this all the time throughout the years where you'll do some shit and you're like, and I know you. So I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. Or it's like, or, you know, like you fighting, like you yeah. fought, like how many years ago was five, that? Five MMA fights. 2017 yeah. was my last fight. Right. It's like, but that wasn't a fear-based decision. 
And I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go see mm. what it is that I'm made of. Like, it's it, interesting. It, it's interesting, but it is like, I didn't know that story. Like, that's, I love asking Neil about like all of his war stories and stuff. Cause every now and again, give him a couple shots of fireball and he'll tell me some really good shit, which yeah, is yeah. cool. But like, I, I believe that the reason that I keep telling people to do shit that scares you is because of that. Cause you know, when you probably turn into traffic, part of you, like your balls shriveled up. You're like, oh shit. Am I good with this? Am I not good with this? Am I going to get a fuck it? We got to go. So we go. And it's like, I want to climb to the top of the mountain where most people will go. So, okay, okay. Where's my paper? Okay. Do I take a helicopter? Right. What kind of shoes do I need? Uh, do I need a uh, cleat? Do I need how much, how many feet of rope? Where by the time you're done making that list, you and I are already barefoot and bloody halfway up the fucking mountain. And I think that's what's really rad about not only watching you with Black Rifle and, and what you're doing and just the, the growth, but like last year I said the same thing, like when we started the apparel. I mean, dude, I, my mom was making our t-shirts. Like, it was all organic. There was no <laughs> ads. There was nothing. We'd do 20 shirts a month. My right. mom would make one. She'd go down to the post office. She'd fold it up, put a little yellow envelope and mail it out from the post office, write their name on the thing and, and the whole deal. And it was like in May of 2020, when I hired my first real employee with the apparel company, I wrote on my whiteboard a million dollars. I was like, I'm going to do a million dollars in sales. I didn't care about profit. I didn't care right. about anything. I was just like, I want to see a million dollars come through my Shopify account from t-shirt sales or apparel sales or whatever. And it was one of those things where everybody looked at me like, bro, your mom's fucking making our t-shirts <laughs> in that corner little office over there. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. right? But I, I became obsessed with it. Like anything that came into my space that wasn't getting me there quicker, mm -hmm. more efficiently, it didn't, I didn't care. But Sean, there's this new thing. I don't give a fuck about the new thing. I'm going to the top of the mountain. That's it. There was a million dollars. That was it. And dude, we had setback after setback. We had 6,000 shirts that we sent out to a guy to go make that literally all came back bad. I had 6,000 shirt pile. Oh yeah. It was $200,000 sitting on the floor of my warehouse and everybody looking at me going, we have 6,000 orders to fill. Now what boss? And it's like, fuck it. Let's figure this thing out. Right. And in November we hit a million dollars in sales and, and, I realized like in that moment, like fighting is terrifying, really. The thing about fighting on the street, though, is you don't have any time to think about it. There's no prep behind it. Right. But you look at like what Mike Tyson talked about in his documentary, which I think is fascinating. He would become violently ill before all of his fights. He talked about backstage. He would literally throw up. If you've ever seen his documentary, it's really fascinating. It, yeah. And and there's a there's a there's uh, one of the really cool um, videos that's floating around talks about how when he got into the ring, he became a god. But he talks about, I would become violently, I was so terrified that this man was going to beat me, all these other things. And he's like, the closer and closer and closer I got, the more I realized, like, I was the God, right? And for me, it's that same reality. Like, I'm not not going to hit a million. Like, we just started our subscription box club. I have a number written on the board, 100,000. I want 100,000 subscribers by the end of this year. We have 500 right now. And it's one of those things where it's like the whole team is looking at me going, we don't know how yet. We have no fucking right. clue. I don't know how much rope I'm going to need. I don't know how, what kind of shoes I need. I have no fucking idea, but I'm already halfway up the fucking mountain because that's exactly where I'm going to go. And it's the same philosophy. And I think what's, what you said earlier, you know, we wish you could like inject it into people. I think what's really fun is just watching. You are. And I, in, in some way, I think like I am, right? And I know that you have a huge following base and, and I have a huge following base. And at times we're kind of like, yeah, what is this social media? It's cool. Right. But right. then you, you meet somebody and they're like, dude, 
this post or that post. I mean, watching you guys go public, you have no fucking clue how many stories I shared in our company meetings. I was like, this motherfucker just went public. Like it motivated the shit out of me. Like it drives the shit out of me to watch other people do that. And I think you turn into that traffic, the whole convoy's turned into traffic. Mm-hmm. They might not know where the fuck we're going, but Evan's going there. So we're going there. And I think that's, what's really dope about, you know, our stories is watching just driving into traffic. Like, I don't know how to, I'm going to hit a hundred thousand. I have a plan. Right. I've written it all out and I bet you 10 grand that everything in, in humanly possible will come in between me and that target, but we will hit that target by December 31st, period. Just like I put, we did a million dollars and we hit that million dollars. And I think that's, what's rad is like, there is no plan, man. There's Mm -hmm. no blueprint. Like, I don't care if you're religious, not religious. I don't care where you were born, what society, what culture, whether you're black, you're white, you're gay, you're straight, you're rich, you're poor. Like you woke up today. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I break it down to that that basic. Like I have the ability to do whatever the fuck I want today. Like when you said that, like that resonates with me because most of my life I didn't live that way. I lived the exact opposite. Like this is what makes you happy. And I was like, well, I did all that shit and I wanted to blow my brains out when I was 32 years old. I put a Ruger P95 in my mouth. I wasn't happy. Is it? Horrible pistol too. It's like, a terrible. You could have done it with it probably very <laughs> gone out in way bigger fashion. I didn't have any money at the time. That was my first gun. All right. Now I've got some bougie shit. But like I think about that and it and it and it that was my moment. That was like my turning moment. Is I remember waking up that next morning saying, dude, I don't want to die. Right. Like it wasn't like, dude, I gotta make millions of dollars and I gotta make my dad proud and I gotta make the family proud. And I gotta, it was like, dude, I don't want to die. I want to live, but I didn't know what living was like. I didn't know what living really was. I didn't know what it was like to drive in oncoming traffic because I'd never done it. I didn't know what it was like to do any of these other things, which is why like fighting became this thing because I was like, I wanted to fight and it scares you. It terrifies you. It's you and another dude locked in a fucking cage. There's nothing more in gladiator front in front in of a front ton of people. people. Your mom's yeah, sitting there, your people. friends are like, hey, mom. All of a sudden you're getting punched it's in like the public speaking. It's in, 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 in performance anxiety, public speaking. It's like all of it. While a guy trying one. to kill you, <laughs> kick you in the fucking face, knock your fucking teeth out, right? Yeah. It's terrifying. But at the same time, like, I feel like that's really what the, the, the antithesis of, that's like what the foundation of Lions Not Sheep is. It's like, I don't care about the money. I don't care. Like, go do what... Ma- Whatever you want, right? You want to sell tacos on the side of the road? Go, but just do it because it's what you want to fucking do. Like you, that question, what do you want? It's terribly difficult to answer because the programming that we have, you, me, the whole fucking world, everybody that we know, you know, as I look at my kids, I think about that. Like, am I programming my kids to follow in my footsteps or to question everything? Right. Like my daughter right now is in the Virgin Islands training exotic horses on this in this exotic resort, I went on a, a mission with OUR and met this lady and she's super rich and has this huge resort down there. And they were through all of that exchange. She met my daughter, my daughter trains horses. She's been down there, right? Well, I want my daughter to be independent. I've been saying that yeah. since she's 19, since she's a little, little kid. I want, if I, if I could teach my kids to be independent, to think for themselves, to ask questions, I'll win. Well, here's my daughter. Hey dad, by the way, I'm going to go down and do this thing for like three months. I'm a first time she's left the nest. And I'm like, uh, no, like who's down there where I need Intel. I need to know where this right, is. Right. I need to know where extraction points. So yeah, I need to know yeah. all of these other things. She's like, dad, I'm going to be fine. And it was one of those things where I realized like, I think one of the most gangster things a human being will do is to ask why. Right. Is to truly question themselves. Not like, Hey, mom was lying to me. Dad was lying to me. My priest was lying to me. The bishop was lying to me, but to like truly, truly, truly like 
go into the core of like what you really are, who you really are, and to fucking figure that out for yourself. It's, 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 it's such a fucking dark place, but at the same time, it's the most powerful place. Because once you drive down that road one time, you're like, oh, I already did that. No, no, no trust me, we're, we're good. We're, we're probably going to smash some shit around, mm-hmm. but you go do it. And it's like, once you hit that million dollar number, whether you hit a thousand dollars, whatever that fucking number is for somebody, it's like, oh shit, I did it. And I know what it took to get there. And yeah, my feet might be bloody and I might be half dead, but I made it to the top of the mountain while you're still trying to strategize on how to get to the even base camp. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what's, at least for me, you said that you motivate the shit out of me, like watching Black Rifle, watching what you guys have done and continue to do. It's like, I know what it takes to drive into fucking traffic. And I can only imagine like sitting with Wall Street dudes and the suits and the ties, knowing you probably have, you probably really want to be wearing your flip-flops and shorts and have, have a pistol on you, but you're in New York City. You're like, well, I did. I, I just wore, a I'm hoodie. driving in a freaking traffic. I, I, I took over, you know, the NYSE and like hoodies yeah. and, and hats ball caps and hoodies because I was like, we built this company in ball yeah. caps and hoodies. I'm not going to go and ring the bell in anything different. You know, I brought more people. They're telling me I brought more people to this than any other company they'd seen like in modern history because like I built the company with other people. I'm not going to... Sh- yeah. most, most of the time, it's like a small board. Here's my board. Here's my board. And here's my execs. I'm like, I don't even like those people. <laughs> like, oh, I, like, I, my, my friends are the people that have worked in the company from the beginning. Like, these are my people. I'm, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm a, I'm blue collar, man. Like, I, I work for a living. Like, I manufacture stuff. We roast coffee. We make shirts. And like, for us, like, that, that's a big moment. But the big deciding factor had nothing to do with the direct compensation. I've, I've, I've explained this to a lot of people, but like. I'm already, and this isn't meant to sound like, like, like an arrogant asshole. Like I'm already wealthy because of the company. I didn't need to take it public. In all reality, it's easier for me to run a private company because I can kind of do what I want to do. The reason I did it was because I know there's an entire generation of entrepreneurs out there that it that need a a beacon. They're like, oh, if this fucking knucklehead can take it from his garage to the New York Stock Exchange in eight years, mm-hmm. I'm a smart guy. I'll be able to do it like, you know, yeah. faster, more efficient. I'll be able to do something even better. And I'm tired of watching these Silicon Valley fucks monopolize every business that goes public in this in their in our country. I'm like. Our country is built on people making shit, real people making shit. And Silicon Valley's had such a monopoly on the narrative of business for so long, for the last couple of decades, where I, I've heard this forever, right? It's like, you don't need to be profitable. You just need to grow. That's mm-hmm. a Silicon Valley fucking myth. Right. Like they can all suck a dick. It's horrible. It's a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people I was profitable and profitable wasn't cool. Like, I fought for I, I when I, I brought in my 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 board several years ago and they're like, listen, we can we can grow and scale based on this methodology, which was a Silicon Valley methodology, which is like take market take on, share yeah. and then take on debt. I'm like, I tried it for one month. I didn't like the way the shoe fit. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's 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 not it's just not for me. I can't do it. And where I felt like it was really important for a guy like me who's overtly conservative where 
if I can do it and play the game, how many other thousands of entrepreneurs are going to be able to like follow in my footsteps? Because the other thing is, is, is that we need it. Mm-hmm. We need to push back against the, 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 the weird leftist like financial agenda that has been just dominating mm-hmm. the entrepreneur scene where you can't, and you, you see them. You come across these entrepreneurs all the time. You know how many friends I have in that are entrepreneurs, CEOs, and executives that are like, man, I wish I could go, I wish I could go and be like you. I wish I could be like you, but my shareholders or my board or my customers, I'm like, you shouldn't be hiding from your customers. You should be telling people exactly who you are all the time because then nobody's going to have a gotcha moment. That's not, that's not just business. That's life. That's everybody. Like that's what, that's what you, I mean, that's what you built your following on. That's what you built your tribe. That's the same thing with me. I've said the same thing over and over and over again. Like you look at, you know, Kavanaugh, right? When yeah. Kavanaugh, when they were putting him on, on Supreme Court, it was one of those things where 30 years ago, he touched my boobs. And you're yeah. like, what? Well, for number one, who the fuck is Kavanaugh? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Number two, like, I did dumb shit 30 years ago. Who the fuck cares, right? right? But the reality is nobody knew that guy. I look at it the exact same way where like, people are like, dude, you, you can't say that and grow your following, you're going to lose followers. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. This is who I am. This is what I am. Well, you can't say that because it's going to cost you business. I, I really don't give a fuck. Like, this is who I am. And I have had people openly, publicly, just as you have, I'm not buying your fucking shit. I'm not buying your coffee anymore. And you and the, what's his name, the little kid uh, that hold debacle oh, with, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his nuts? Yep. Um, I've seen that over and over and over and over again where people have told me the rules are this. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. It needs to be done this way. And every single time I question, I'm like, says who? Says who? Like, really, like, who wrote wrote the rules? Right. What are the rules? And you said, I'm going to drive an oncoming traffic. Well, hang on a second. What's the manual for that? Where does it say that? (laughs) There is none, motherfucker. I'm writing the page. Yeah. And I think that's what's dope is like... Literally what you're saying is exactly what I have built Lions Not Sheep off of. It's that same philosophy. Like who the fuck says what's right and what's wrong? Who, who, who determines what it should be, what it should look like? Me. How many entrepreneurs are, not even entrepreneurs, how many guys have gone to your seminars over the last few years, do you think? Oh, I mean, experience. Oh yeah, I've stood in front of, taught, lectured, whatever you want to call it. Tens of thousands of people. But what is the, what what are the common things that you see with, because I know you see these things mm-hmm. with, with men, just in general. Like, what do you see with, with men? What, what's going on? In men, are, men are terrified to be judged. Like, I, I've stood in front of 10,000 people and asked the same question. I said, how many of you have failed? Right. And everybody raised their hand. I'm like, how many of you are like me and double hand this and say, I failed a fuck ton, right? (laughs) Everybody. Right. Everybody has. Everybody at some point in time has lost money. Everybody at some point in time has had heartbreak. Everybody at some point in time has lied, has cheated, has stolen, has done something that is not what is, is what they wanted to be or Mm -hmm. to do, right? Everybody has quote unquote failed. And so when you think about that, like we've become experts in failure. You figured out a thousand ways not to roast coffee. You figured out a thousand ways to burn the fuck out of it, whether it's camping, whether it's here, whether it's this roaster or that roaster. Like the amount of times that you have fucking failed roasting coffee, how many times would you say that is? Uncalculable. And, and yeah. just, there's no number for it, right? Yeah. But yet here you are, a publicly traded company with coffee. What men are deathly, deathly, deathly afraid of isn't failure. It's being judged. 
because if you think about it, we're experts in failure. And you've heard all the quotes and there's all the memes that float around like, you know, fail faster and fall down and get up quicker. Yeah. And we read that shit and it's in our space, but what do we do? Well, fuck, if I, if I take the jump and I start this company and it doesn't work, then my mom and my dad, my dad's going to go, see, I told you so. And I don't want that conversation. Or my friends say, oh, dude, I was going to put five G's in his company and his idea. I'm sure glad I didn't. We're terrified of that shit. Like get in the ring with another man. Close the door. This is one of the reasons that I, I took the challenge of fighting is because I didn't grow up. I mean, I grew up Irish Catholic drinking and freaking busting it up every now and again. But it terrified me because there are thousands of people sitting around here. This will be replayed and it will be videoed and it will be online till the day I fucking die. You're terrified of being judged. Men are terrified and women. Our culture is terrified. And so we're frozen in this space of non-existence. We're frozen in this reality of I'd rather not do anything than do something and fail, which is why most people, I had a conversation with my buddy this morning, most people will lead very, very, very satisfactory lives. Their home, their experiences, their travel, like we get into this experience where it's like, I don't want to quit my job because what will everybody say? Not what if it happens? What if I figure this thing out. What if I take it from one t-shirt to 100,000 t-shirts a month? What if I took it from roasting coffee in Iraq to this? You know what I'm saying? I think men and women were programmed in our DNA since we were little fucking children to be afraid of failing. And so we do nothing. We do as we're told. We stay on this conveyor belt, hence the sheep of doing what everybody else is doing. Because if I do something different, then I'm going to stand out. I'll be the black sheep, if you will. And I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want the spotlight. We all want the spotlight, yet we don't want the spotlight. We all want the big company, but we're not willing to pay the dividends to get to be the big company, which takes a fuck ton of persecution, a fuck ton of ridicule to get there, right? We want the epic marriage but we're not willing to go all in with our significant other and tell them our fears and our reservations and our traumas and our past and whatever, whatever, we're things that we're, we're afraid of, right? Like we want all of these things, but we don't do the work to get them. And I think that's the reason going all the way back to like, what scares you? Like if you did something small every single day that scared you, how much stronger would you be by the end of the week? If Monday through Friday, you did something that scared you, whether it was sending, it might be sending a text message. Mm -hmm. You might have beef with your dad and you haven't talked to him for years and the, the mentality is like fuck that guy he can rot in hell whatever whatever how how terrifying is it to send him a text message and be like hey man just thinking about you hope you have a great day i have literally stood in front of thousands of people and had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in an auditorium that would say that they would never do that because it's terrifying to them because they're angry because they're mad that's the ticket in my opinion, that's the ticket. In my opinion, it's like, I'm just going to go up the fucking mountain and I'll figure out what kind of shoes I need when I'm halfway up there. And then I'll figure out a way to get the shoes. And that's what I truly believe right now is setting a lot of people apart. And really what most men are desperately wanting is to be able to make the jump, to do the things that scare them and know that they can handle that persecution and that ridicule. Because at the end of the day, you pull into traffic, there's probably going to be a bunch of dudes like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Why did you do that? You could have, you could have, you could. Well, I could have a thousand things, right. but I got, us to, I got us to the op. I got us to the destination. I could have done the million dollars a month, 10,000 other ways, according to 10,000 other people, but I did it my way and I got there. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we're programmed this way, man. How this is you, what's crazy is we're programmed. In, like, so what you're describing to me is confidence. Like a lot of this boils down to how do you 
how do you inject people with the confidence to go out and tackle those things? So when you're looking at your experience, you know, how you're coaching people through this, how long is it taking some of these guys to like break out and like... Some of, most of them never will. No. The thing that's sad, that's real. And I don't say it to be, I'm the eternal optimist, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally the eternal optimist. There's nothing I can't do. If I wanted to go become a brain surgeon, I could go become a brain surgeon today if I wanted to. Right. I don't go to school for that shit, but I could if I wanted to. Can't they could probably go to YouTube and figure it all out anyways. <laughs> but the reality is like most men won't. And that's the thing that's really scary is like, it's not scary, but it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm very empathetic to that because I know what it's like to live in fear. I know right. what it's like to be paralyzed. I know what it's like to live a life looking at your wife, like wanting to connect, but being so afraid of your own self and your own words that you don't. And then you burn your entire fucking world to the ground. I know exactly what that's like. And that's the reason I truly, I truly believe the more you do things that scare you, mm-hmm. the stronger you get. Like, how do you build confidence? You don't just wake up confident. No. Like you wake up and you do hard shit. And when you get to the end of the day, you're like, okay, I didn't die. Maybe I lost a couple bucks, but I made those bucks to be able to lose them so I can do it again. You know, I had a hard conversation with my wife and yeah, it sucked and she cried and I cried and I was mad, she was mad, but here we are stronger. Like the only way, in my opinion, to build confidence is to do scary shit. I mean, having you guys come teach and do the Lions on Sheep experience and Jim and these dudes, these are are dudes that have light years more experience than me in combat. I mean, I've never been in combat. I've never faced that, right? And it intimidates me to train with guys like that. Me personally, I train with Johnny Primo. I train with Neil. I train with any of these guys and I show up and I'm the rookie. I'm the new guy. But what I realized is that whether I puke on the range, whether I freaking hit my target or don't hit my target, I make it through that day and I'm better. And that confidence I go to bed with and I realize the next day, I have a day's worth of experience with these motherfuckers that... 7 billion other people don't. That makes me stronger. So I go into the next restaurant or the next movie theater or the next meeting with just that sliver more of confidence. And if I do it again and I do it again and I do it again, then I got the whole pie of confidence. And then I get another pie and then another pie. And Mm -hmm. I'm 43 years old and there's a ton of shit that still scares me. There's a ton of things that intimidate me. You know what I'm saying? But the more I do the shit that's scary, like by the end of nine years later, mm-hmm. it's nothing to drive an on tra- oncoming traffic. The right. first time there, you're like, yo, oh. shit, bing, 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 my bad, my bad. We'll fix that. You know what I'm saying? But by yeah. nine years later, you're just like, yo, cruise control, bang, I'm just going. And that, that wasn't because of those fears, the confidence. You just yeah. keep doing it over and over and over again. You get confident in it. Well, it, it's interesting because I, you know, having kids now, I think about this stuff all the time as you, as you do too. This is your profession. But I think about it all the time as my, my kids because I have two little girls and I know the greatest gift that I can give them in some ways is curiosity and confidence, right? So if you have those two things, there's a lot of things you're going to be able to, to, to motivate yourself in order to accomplish throughout, throughout your life. And I, I, there, there's not an option in the Hafer household. Like both the kids are in jujitsu, for instance. I don't care what martial art it is that you take, you have to take one. They don't have a choice in the Hafer household. They have to be in some type of martial art. So right now, they're both in BJJ. Nara just got a stripe yesterday. Nice. Congrats. Nice. Um, and little kids out there yesterday, they had bloody noses and they're, you know, it's they're the best, sparring. They're, they're getting it on. 
But part of instilling what I think the cornerstone of just confidence is being able to defend yourself. Like just being out in the world and being able to know, you know what? I can take care of myself. I'll be all right. I'll be good. And that gives you psychological security to know that you can go into places that might be a little bit scary. And it might be a little bit, uh, as far as like your physical confidence, I've known that for at least my modern life. I'm like, yeah, I don't, nothing really intimidates me. It's like, I can go for a run in the worst part of fucking Salt Lake, or I can go for a run in Seattle or Chicago, probably not the worst place in Chicago because that's arguably a war zone. But you see where I'm going. There's very few places. I might have to pack like a shorty AK in Chicago to be in the right, to to be in the right frame of mind. But to me, that's just kind of common sense. And I see other kids, you see your kids, Mm -hmm. you see your kids' peer group. And I'm giving my kids, I'm like, I, I've talked to them all the time. I'm like, you know, you're, you're going to have a superpower, right? Yeah. Because competitive, being competitive in the world, because the world is, is dog eat dog. I don't give a fuck yeah. what kind of woke ass bullshit people buy into. I don't care what, what false reality they think we're in because they're living in a false fucking reality. It is a dog eat fucking dog. 100%. Like it is a fight. Yep. So my girls are like the sweetest little fucking angels on the planet. They will choke you but out. They will fucking eat your lunch. And I look at them I'm like, you guys are going to have a superpower because mm-hmm. all these other grass eaters that are raising their children to not question, yeah. to not be a skeptic, to just buy into the traditional narrative. And they're not pushing them to be competitive. Right, to win. To win. To win. To win. As long as you show up on the field, you're fine. You yeah, get a trophy. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had an experience this year with my son. He, he uh, He's 15. He just turned 16. And he didn't want to wrestle. He right. wrestled last year. And wrestling's kind of a weird thing. And eh, you got to wear the singlet. And he's sure. more the cool monster. He's in that space, right? Yeah, I get that. And he didn't want to wrestle this year. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, cool. Make a deal. You know Either get a job or you're going to wrestle. We had a date and he didn't have a job by then. So I said, you're wrestling. And uh, mom was a little bit pissed off because he was kind of whining about not wanting to wrestle. And I said, don't give a fuck. You made an agreement with me. I gave you an out. You didn't take the out. So you're going to wrestle. And uh, every practice and every match, it was like there was that dejection, right? And as a dad, I'm looking at him and and knowing that no one's going to give you jack shit, bro. Because you got your ass handed to you, I'm watching that kid's dad and that family over there cheer while you're fucking crying getting off the mat. And I say, that's the game. Like, this this is the game. And I'll never forget, it was really cool. He This happened in football, too. Like, he had one crack when he cracked this kid. Like, he was kind of soft. Getting into the football thing, he plowed this kid over one time and something in his brain switched. And he became, like, the most savage linebacker (laughs) and just destroyed kids, right? He, he, he got into this match and I remember right before he went out, I like grabbed him and I had this really quick chat with him. And I'm like, dude, I love you, but I want you to go like, get into violence. I said, I want you to go be violent. And I said, I want you to pretend if you lose this match that your entire family is going to die. Now that might be weird to some people that might fuck with somebody's head. I don't really give a shit. I watched that kid go three, three periods with this kid who was arguably a better wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I have a picture of this. My son comes off the mat and he can't breathe. He's just completely gassed. He has blood pouring out of his nose and his mouth. And I was more proud in that moment 
than probably any other time because I knew where he had to go mentally to get to that space. And he won the match. And I let him, I mean, decompress. He was drinking. He's wiping his face off the whole thing. And I gave him a little bit. And I sat down and I'm like, how do you feel? And he's like, that felt really good. I said, why'd that feel good? He's like, because I didn't quit. And what I'm, you that know this and I know this, like, nobody's coming to fucking save you. Right. Like, whether Sean's sad after his divorce and burns his world down, nobody gives a fuck because you got your family and your kids and your bills and they got their family and their kids. Nobody's going to like just come to my house and make me all better and build my shit and build my dreams and build my empire and give me the Rolls Royce and give me the jet and all that other shit. And I'm, I'm trying to impress this on my kids. I told my, my son that. I'm like, if, if you're on the street, like everything is a weapon. Like there is no option not to win. There is no option to lose because you're dead. And that's the thing that I'm, I, I, I think it's really fun having conversations with people about like with lions, not sheep is <laughs> there's always going to be a top of the totem pole. There's always going to be a bottom. There's going to be a bunch of people in between. And the real interesting thing now with our culture and our society and everything going on is like, imagine if the power went out, right? Just the power. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about red dawn, which I wish I, I, I see, I pray a lot and I ask God, I'm like, please today. <laughs> I don't know what to do with all of this ammunition. <laughs> I've got more guns. Johnny Primo came to my house and he trained the family for a couple of days. And, and I, one of the things I asked him, I was like, hey, what do I do? He's like, bro, you need to stop buying guns. He's like, I never told anybody that, but he's like, you only have two things. He's like, you need a rifle and a pistol. And I'm like, well, which rifle and which pistol? And where do I, anyways, the, 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 the reality is like, if the power went out, man, I mean, think about our lives. Think about how, I mean, the studio and the cameras and the audio, and we got wires going to things and this and this, and we have, phone calls and we can FaceTime somebody 8,000 miles away right. and we can buy and sell stocks and we can do all of these other things. If the power goes out, everything's gone. Mm-hmm. Transportation's gone. Fuel's gone. All those plastic cards that you have in your pocket, they no longer work at McDonald's. Guess what? Your cell phone's dead. So Uber Eats is gone. You have no food. You have no water. You have no transportation. You have no communication. 75% of this of the globe would be dead in eight weeks. Yeah. They'd starve to death. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm driving down the road and, and I see a, a, somebody calling AAA to change their tire versus getting out and changing their fucking tire, that's a problem. I'm not here to judge you to say you're a piece of shit because you don't know how to change a tire, but you should learn how to change a fucking tire. Most people, dude, have no fucking clue how to survive. Like emotionally, psychologically, physically, you know, a lot of people talk about like the lions and the sheep and they mock it and they make fun of it and stuff like that. But the reality is nobody fucks with a lion. You go out in the jungle, nobody fucks with a lion. It sleeps whenever it wants to sleep. It lays under a tree. Like when you said, when I pulled into traffic, I had to get to my destination and I don't give a fuck if I bump some cars, if I run out some people over, I got to get there. Lion does whatever the fuck he wants, when he wants, and nobody stops him. That psychology and that philosophy, I think, is is what you're obviously teaching your daughters. What I'm teaching my kids is at the end of the day, no one's going to make you wealthy. No one's going to get you ripped. No one's going to teach you how to freaking fight. Like, you've got to get out into the world because at the end of the day, it's it's not woke. It's not culture. It's not the president. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. There will always be somebody higher than me on the totem pole and somebody lower than me on the totem pole. And my job every single day, my philosophy is to become like the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Wherever I walk into, wherever I go, whatever I do. And then what that means to me is what that is what, you know, it's what means to me. It doesn't necessarily need to make sense to you or to you or to you or to you, but you don't walk into a room going, man, there's all these dudes in here and I'm super nervous and I'm super scared. You walk into a room like, I'd kill all of you. That's the philosophy that you should have in life. 
I'm going to set out to do this business, man. But what about this guy and that guy? You know how many people have been making coffee longer than you? Folgers is way fucking been a long, a long, long, long time. You know how many people have been, Tom Ford's been making clothes and Tommy Hilfiger's been making yeah. clothes for a lot longer than me. People walk into the space like, man, no, it's all saturated or it's this, or that guy's tougher than me, or that guy's got more money. And so long as you walk around with that philosophy and that mentality, like my son walked into that wrestling match, that kid was better than him and bigger than him. And he's like, I was not going to fucking quit. And he won the match. And that, that entire philosophy and psychology, in my opinion, is what's missing in our culture. It's what's missing in schools. It's what's missing in, in you know, the truth, really. And that's what I think is really, really dangerous, like, especially with men now, when you speak up, like, there's nothing more natural than violence. There's nothing literally more primitive and more natural. There's literally, I could drop any human being 10 miles from where we are right now, and there's a thousand creatures that want to kill you. Like, not because they're mean or they're bad. You're just lunch. That's just what it is. You can try and regulate that. You can try and put a campaign around that. You can protest and pick at that all you want. That's fucking nature. I think what's rad about what we're doing, I mean, what you're doing with your family and I'm doing with my family is, is understanding that, that you have the ability to create whatever the fuck you want. You have the ability to be whoever you want to be. You have the ability to literally build whatever business you want, build whatever psycho psychological reality that you want. You have the ability to build your body however you want, build your relationships however you want. There's literally nothing stopping me. There's no one stopping you from doing whatever you want. You want to go buy this, you build it to go buy it. You want to build this, you go build it. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's a, for me, that's like kind of my, the flag that I figuratively want to wave to the world is like, look, man, you're going to be dead. At some point in time, you're going to die. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what your belief system is, what your religion is. doesn't fucking matter. You're going to die. So the question is between now and that point in time, what will you do? Like, who will you become? What will you build? Not for fucking legacy, just to enjoy now, just right. to have right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a wild conversation. It's a wild thought process, you know? What, is, what are the excuses that you see guys come up with what what are the barriers that they're creating for themselves? Because you you've done this for a while. Yeah. You've talked to a lot of a lot of guys. What excuses are the common ones that you hear from people? Like, dude, there's so many. But like the thing that <laughs> the, the thing that's I was I was with a guy last last year. We had um, Lions Den Live, which is our annual kind of convention, and yeah. and people come from all over the world, and you know we have tons of people, and and. Uh, there was a guy who was there and we kind of opened it up and did this Q&A and he was this huge Mexican fellow, tattoos and really good dude, nice guy, owned a big construction company. And he got really emotional and his wife was really emotional because he hadn't talked to his kids in years, in years. And he's sitting there having this conversation with me in front of all of these people. And he's like, I haven't talked to my kids and I miss them and I want to be part of their life and I want them to be part of my life. I asked him, like, where, like, where do they live? Where are they? And I was asking a bunch of other questions. And he's like, well, they live here. They're like in Orem, which is like right down the street. And I'm like, bro, like your children who are not 18 years old, who are all, all under 18 years old, not being in your life, that's 100% your accountability. It has nothing to do with your ex. It has nothing to do with them. And I literally, in front of everybody, I said, I want you to go out right now and I want you to call him. His daughter was 16, 16 or 17. I said, I want you to go call your daughter and I want you to schedule a date with her. And you should, it was like weird, something that fucking simple. Everybody was, of course, clapping and crying. And it was this emotional, like Tony Robbins-esque kind of moment with this crowd and this guy and whatever, whatever. And dude, he walked outside and he called his daughter and his ex picked up the phone 
put the daughter on the phone and they had this like this five minute conversation and they were both super emotional. He sets up this date. I walked out. We took a break. I walked out into the lobby and he literally couldn't control himself. And this is a big fucking dude. Like you would see him on the street. He's the kind of guy you wish you had the AA cave with, right? right? And he's crying uncontrollably. And he's like, I've been so scared to be vulnerable. I was so scared to tell my daughter that I wanted her to be part of my life. And when you think about that, man, like we... I use this very loosely. We have been programmed and conditioned, you know, what the alpha is, is just to beat on our fucking chest, have no feelings, don't cry, don't be emotional, don't whatever, whatever. And that's what normal is. And that's not normal. It's not normal at all. Um, I watched that guy literally make a phone call that he was, ter- I mean, this dude makes millions of dollars, has employees, has a construction company, a concrete company. And on the surface is wildly successful. His wife drives a Maserati, blah, 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 blah. And he was terrified to make a fucking phone call to his daughter. And I share that simply because like that, in my opinion, is what's keeping us from greatness is ourselves. It's the stories. It's the story. What if she doesn't want to? What if she doesn't? And what if she does? Like, what if you put this, $5,000 into your dream and it doesn't work. What if it does? Like so long as like you have no action, when you're in a place of inaction, there's a guarantee that nothing will happen. There's a guarantee that nothing will happen. So long as you stay in a place. And I mean, this is, this is everything that we talk about with, with lines on sheep core four with your body. You sit on the couch, I guarantee you, you're not going to get fucking stronger, right? Your relationships, you, you hold back, you play small, You know, men acting like being sensitive is this weakness. Men act like buying flowers is this weakness. I mean, you look at Valentine's Day and it's like one of the biggest scams ever. Hey, go love on your wife now today. Today's the day to go do it and be a fuckhead the rest of the year. You think about like our brains, right? We're inundated with smut all day long and we wonder why our lives are smut. We wonder why we can't catch a break. We wonder why our shit doesn't work. We wonder why we hate everybody and we're mad. Turn on the fucking TV we're fucking mad at everybody. Everybody's mad at everybody. Like, who do you want to be mad at today, right? Mm-hmm. You think about business, it's the same thing. These are the kind of the core four areas of the, that we what talk are the about. Core four? So power, passion, purpose, and production. Power is your body. Bumps, bruises. You've been to war. How many times you've been freaking beat? The, like, fucking everything hurts, right? You still get up. Everybody's got a fucking college injury. Everybody's got a sprain this, a bump this. I got two compressed discs in my back. I've had both my knees blunt, blah, 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 blah. I'm 43 and I'm in better shape than 99% of the fucking men out there, right? I have every excuse not to be. So you have power, you have passion, which is relationships, which all relationships. I mean, our relationships, your relationship with somebody at the fucking checkout stand, you know, every relationship, every interaction that you have is a relationship. Um, Purpose, which is your mind. And then production, which is business. And, and I believe that everything in, is encapsulated in one of those four areas. And so my entire intention with men and with, you know, lions, not sheep is if you're focused on one task with each of these areas every single day, you grow. They don't need to be massive. You don't eat the elephant with one bite. You mm-hmm. eat the elephant, take it a small bite every single time. So while somebody's trying to solve the entire thing, like, how do I do it? Having you in public, I wish I could do what you did. Like, yeah, do what I did five years ago. And you can. Do what I did six years ago and you can. Sean, you have over a billion views online. Like, I wish I had all this fun. Great. Do what I was doing six years ago and post every single day. Do what I was doing five years ago. Do what I was doing four years ago. Everybody wants to skip that process, right? Right. And I think the thing that's like really fascinating is something as simple as a text message. Something as simple as a phone call. is literally like that. 
and, and this was literally a year ago, that dude's made more money in the last year than he's ever made in his entire life. His business has grown more in the last 12 months than has ever grown in his entire history of owning this company. And I know why that happened. It's because he made that fucking phone call. And that most people can't put those together, but I have a belief system that how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're going to shortcut your, 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 your workout and you tell me you did 30 reps, but you did 27, I guarantee you, you tell me you made a million dollars, you made 500 grand. Mm -hmm. You say that you said this to your wife, but I guarantee you, you check your text messages, you didn't say it. And it's just that reality that like, so long as we keep lying to ourselves, so long as we keep hanging out with the wrong people, the more people listen to you, the more people are going to get motivated. The more people watch me buy race cars, at some point in time, you're going to be like, okay, I want to not like this guy. I want to think, I want to <laughs> fucking hate him. But I keep seeing this happen and I keep seeing these things go on and it's like, there might be something to it. And truth be told, it's the same thing that I, I've been saying all along with lions, not sheep and with what we're doing is it's like, I literally don't know. I didn't grow up racing. I didn't grow up around motorsports. I didn't grow up with a dad who raced. No, I don't have like, you know, the, the history, the pedigree of somebody getting me into a sport. I literally was watching my friends race these cars. Like that looks fucking rad. Yeah, I raced B off or yeah. with BJ and the whole thing. And my buddy raced this Lamborghini and I was like, this just looks really fucking, ooh, I'm 43. I get to go as fast as I want right. on a racetrack. Done. You know what I'm saying? They're not Tonka trucks anymore. And I bought this race car. And I wrapped it and it looks cool and the whole thing. And I show up at these races and everybody knows lion's not sheep and it's really cool. But dude, I'm like, I'm the slowest dude out there. Like I'm at the back of the pack and I'm getting, I'm chipping away and getting better. But that shit scares me. Real talk. Like I, I'm, I'm living this the same way I'm telling other people. And it might not be going and buying an Aston Martin race car. It might be fucking taking your, your dad fishing. It might be going out and hanging out with your son. It might be reconciling with an old employee or with your wife or, or going down to the freaking river and eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and fucking getting rid of the cell phones and just right. having a real conversation. It's these simple things that turn into massive mountains that keep us from being free. Like you said earlier, you're having more fun than you've ever had. It's because you're free. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking like shackles free. I'm talking mentally, spiritually, emotionally. That's really where I believe men want to be. But there are all of these layers that we keep in front of them ourselves from getting there. Something as simple as a phone call or buying a fucking car. Right. It's a car. It's a fucking car. Right. And dude, it, it has leveled me up more than anything I've done in the last 10 years. Because literally like it's, it, for me, the, the kind of the story with it, it's hard as shit driving on a track. It's yeah. not like off-road. Like BJ can blast through a fucking fence, run over a tree, run over <laughs> 10 spectators and keep fucking going and be just as fast. You go 10 feet too far in a GT Cup car. You break 10 feet too short, there's two seconds. Well, enough laps with two seconds and you're fucking getting lapped. It's ridiculously hard. I don't, I'm not a finite guy. I don't like the numbers. I don't like paying attention to the people hand me spreadsheets. I'm like, dude, that's like, give those to someone else this is one of the reasons I'm doing it. It's because I want to get better at that. I want to refine those skills. I want to do shit that scares me. And so I bought the race car. And you think about it, like every single person listening to this right now, every dude listening to this right now could go do something exactly like that. And the question is, is like, will you or won't you? Because I have a million excuses why I shouldn't have a race car. I have a million excuses why I shouldn't be married, why after getting divorced and being single, I shouldn't be, you know, whatever, whatever. I have a million freaking pains and injuries that should keep me from being in good shape. But that op and that destination has become so important to me that like, 
I've just become obsessed with it. I've become obsessed with the process in between because I know that I wrote that million dollars on the board. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But every single day, I just went to work on it and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away until we hit it. And now mentally, having hit that, I'm like, okay, cool. Now what? 100,000 subscribers in 12 months. Very few companies have ever done that before. That's exactly where we'll be by December. But there is no like, well, if the economy, well, what about Biden and the gas and Putin and right. Vla- and da, 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 none of that shit, dude. Like, I think most men are, are unbelievably scared of themselves. They're unbelievably scared of the truth. They're unbelievably scared of, uh, about getting naked in front of the fucking mirror. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking physically. Like, we have these nightmares as kids, like standing up naked in front of the class. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Once you do it, now everybody knows what you're playing with. <laughs> now I can do it all the time. Yeah, right. It's like what you said yeah, before, yeah. like when you're exposed, that's what, yeah. that's the powerful thing about social media, in my opinion, is this is part of my journey is using social media as almost the therapist, is you share your darkness, you share your reality, you share your truth on social media. It's in front of the whole fucking world. So I can talk about how I have struggled with depression or I had thoughts of suicide or I have fears around this, this or this. And then... Now that's out there. It's freeing. It's liberating. You know what I'm saying? People are going to judge it. They're going to make fun of it. But like, what's my end game? My end game is to be free. Emotionally, psychologically, physically. You know what I'm saying? But I think there's a lot of really important points. The transparency is, is it's something we push. I push it here all the time. Radical transparency. Some people confuse radical transparency with just being an asshole, which is not... <laughs> The, the the correct yeah. uh, association it's being honest and being diplomatic that that's that's one thing yeah. just being an asshole like anybody can be an asshole like understanding how to communicate in an effective way where you, you know when you're building a team and you have peers or you have subordinates or you have managers where you're being you have radical transparency or candor being professional and in being able to professionally communicate something is just not sugarcoating it. Like, hey, this is what I need. It's the same thing and and I do it for the same reasons, which is I, I have too much going on. Honestly, I have too much going on to keep track of like whether or not I want to hide this little piece of nugget over here or not say this or do that. So I just say it. Yeah. And that way... It doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. I just, I'll just say it, and then it's just like it's just a lot like this podcast. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. What are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Turn I, on I the got camera. Terabytes of fucking. <laughs> I got hundreds of fucking episodes of me saying the f words and all kinds of uh-huh. shit that's not politically correct. Guess what? We're still a publicly traded company. Yeah. I, it's not going to change who I am. It's right. not doing anything other than giving me freedom. It's like if you live, and and that's one of the things I love about you guys, like free man, mm-hmm. like you're, you're always putting out and you've got a bunch of stuff that says free man. And to be free, I, I think from my perspective, I see it everywhere. People are not free right. and they're not when they, when they liberate themselves, not as you said, as like busting the chains, when they liberate themselves and they say, I take ownership for my life. Correct. I take responsibility for my destiny and there are no excuses. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not two generations from me. It's not, you know, the the oil barons are not the ones preventing me from fucking succeeding in my life. Like figure out the system. Yeah. We live in what I think is probably the greatest system for economic mobility in the world. 
And you got a bunch of people that lay around and, and create the next excuse versus creating the next success. They're more focused on the excuse than they are the fucking excuse not to succeed, right. where it's like, guys, just go out and do it. I know that I, I, I sound like I'm taking your job as a-, a Motivate, dude, go, do it. it. I hear it all the time. Like I hear it even from my business. I've heard it from you. Like some of the things I've heard, and I, this is what I've always said for the last like several years, like lion's not sheep or like Sean Whalen. It's like fucking flashy cars and all this fuck crazy shit. Like I've heard it because we live in the same yeah. community. I'm like, it's fucking rad, man. Like yeah. he's doing his shit. It's awesome. Did like, you know how scary it was for me to buy that car? It sounds really <laughs> funny. I spent months, right? And we thought, I, I, I could afford to buy a Lamborghini. I could afford to buy a Ferrari. I could buy a couple of them if I wanted to. Yeah. You said it earlier, you're it's fucking, awesome. you're wealthy. You have, you can Fuck. buy a lot of shit. You can buy it, whatever you it want. It is what it is. Like you make millions of dollars. It, I don't hide that from anybody. It was so hard for me to buy that car. Dude, I owned that car for almost three weeks. And one night I was in the bathtub and I was texting Andy Frisilla. And I texted him pictures like, yo, I did a thing. Yeah. And Andy's got $50 million car collection. Sure. He has yeah. every car known to man and he buys the most right. exotic million plus dollars things. And he's like, dude, he was the biggest fucking cheerleader. He was like, fuck yes, dude, dude that's badass. He's like, I remember buying my first Lambo and the whole thing, right? And he's like, dude, I didn't even know that. And I was like, I told, I told him, I said, I don't know how to talk about this yet. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to share this yet. Right. And he's like, dude, fuck that shit. Share it, talk about it, celebrate it. He's like, you built that, you earned that. But what's funny is like, I would lay in bed at night going through every car with my wife and I'm looking at this and babe, what about this? And what about that? And, and it was never like, okay, this one's 200 grand or this one's 250 grand. You got, you have a $450,000 fucking Bronco. You know what I'm saying? It's not the money. You're like, can I put a 50 cal on the top of this? Done. You're done. Do it, right? But I remember getting a delivery of it and it was like, it wasn't, that I had a vision board or I had this thing on my, when I was a kid, it was my dream car. It wasn't my dream car. I don't really have a dream car. I just wanted that car. I wanted a sports car. And I remember buying it. And it was one of those things where it was like, for about two weeks after having it, I was like, eh. And then one day I came out of the store, literally it was parked in the parking lot by itself. And I walked out to it and I was like, this is a fucking dope car. <laughs> it's fucking Lamborghini. Yeah, it's it's fast Lamborghini. as shit. It's, it's cool as fuck. Yeah. And I kept, and I, I'm still in that spot. I still have demons to overcome. I still have shit that like bounces in my brain where I think about judgment. I think about that stuff. And I was like, dude, douchebags. Douchebags buy Lamborghinis at 43 years old, right? I'm having this midlife crisis. And I was like, no, I wanted the fucking car. So I bought the car. That's all it is. And it's, it's like, it I want to race. So I bought a race car. I think that's what's fucking huge is it's like, yeah, Sean's this guy or he's this or that or whatever, this, that, you know, Evan's making all of this money. You're goddamn right I'm making this money. That's why I fucking did this. That's, that's why, why I built this. That was the point of that's the fucking exercise. That's the point, you dumb fuck, is to make a ton of money. <laughs> that's it the went, point of the exercise. If you if you have a hot dog stand, you should want to have a hundred hot dog stands. I don't, it's not my fault you don't dream bigger. It's not my fault you don't look at Lamborghinis <laughs> and want to fucking drive a sports car because secretly you really fucking do. You know, well, but, I, I see that. I see that a lot because it's like, what, what are the things? It's like jealousy, envy, greed or something like that, right? Yeah. It's like the three pieces where I, I see it even with a lot of the, my, my peer groups, whether it's like, you know, you or Neil or any of us, you know, and I see it and I've talked to other people and how they cope, right? How mm -hmm. is it that we cope? And I was talking to um, one of my buddies and he was like, Michael Jordan said, winners don't read the comments. Mm -hmm. And that was like 
that was last year. So when we went through our whole little, you know, PR shit where people called me a woke cock and all this stuff for, you know, a year because yeah. I simply just said I didn't sponsor someone. Yeah. yeah. Like, which was just- It a, wouldn't a matter factual, what you said. It wouldn't matter. You could have said, yeah, said anything. And it would have been lambasted. It doesn't and, matter. And, uh, and what I did was I took, I took his advice, right? Yeah. And it was Joe. And I was like, hey, Joe, what do I, what do, I do in this? And he's like, winners don't read the comments, bro. Like, turn them off. Who gives a fuck? Do you. Yeah. Like, you just do you. Single best piece of advice I've ever received and taken, not only taken, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did it, because I respected who gave it to me. Yeah. It was probably said 20 different ways by 50 different people. Yep. But because the one guy, he was like, don't read the comments. Who yeah. gives a shit? Turn them off. Do you. Awesome. You know what? I'm going to respect that and I'm going to move. And I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to do. But it also changes the way that you look at other people and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things like over the last couple of years, you know, I, I follow you and I'll watch you and, you know, tune in every here and there. Yeah, we come like, on each other's stuff in that. Rats. Same it's thing with awesome. Me, man. Like, it's awesome. It's like that dude's doing him. Mm-hmm. And I'm stoked. Like, if I see somebody buy a Lamborghini, I'm like, fucking A. Good. <laughs> Good on him, man. I'll run like, over you with my fucking a. Bronco. Like, that's awesome. I'm like, Dude, bro, I- it's, it's so, I'm so fucking happy for dudes to do that because, or anyone. But there's a section of, and there's a huge section of the population. Massive, massive. Where they're like, fuck that guy. Yeah. And it's, 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 Instant and it's and it's you can see it. You right. can see the like the um the jealousy mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And they're like, well, I don't fucking care. Like that, that's it's, not my that color. guy's materialistic. Yeah, and I mean, he's just fucking you doing that. And- yeah, it's just like, well, fuck you. Like, yeah. like you said, you have like I look at this all the time. I'm like, man, we have a fraction of a second of life on this planet comparatively. Yeah. And if we're not going out as individuals, as men, if you're not going out and fucking like pursuing every last second of it. And I, that's the other piece where I got to this perspective differently because I know how finite and special this opportunity is to get up every day and roll out of bed and like have this life. I know what it, what it's like, because I know of a, of a group of my friends that are dead. And this isn't like, woe is me, look at my dead friends. It's fucking truth. truth. It's like, I know if I roll out of bed and I celebrate their life through my life, I have a group of people that are pushing me going, you got to get it all, man. Yep. You got to fucking get it all. I never miss an opportunity to hug my kids. I never miss an opportunity to give them a compliment, to be a better dad, to plug in, to be a better leader or a manager. I never... Waste an opportunity. And I see a generation of 40-year-old males that load up their time gun and shoot it out like it's fucking free ammunition. It's like, it's not, motherfuckers. It's not free. It's costing you everything. It's like, I don't know how many people that I know from, we'll call them like high school and college, where like, because especially now, right? Because they see the success of the there, company, right. right? And where they're talking and they're like, man, I just don't know how you did it. And, you know, I didn't know how you did it. I'm like, well, one, I haven't made it. 
Like there's what no is end that? point? Yeah. There's, it's there's not no an end, end game. point. There's no end game. Yeah. It's just life. It's what it is. But I've talked to the guys and they're like, man, I wish I could do, like I wish. And I was like, wishing, wishing is for fucking Disney movies, yep. motherfucker. Or hoping. Like doing is the thing that, that gets you out. It's yeah. like, well, I'm too old now or whatever. It's like a litany of excuses for weakness. I'm like, this is why you're never going to be happy. This is why you're yep. never going to succeed. This is why you're going to be fucked up until the day that you die because you'll never take responsibility for your life and change it. Yep. That's why I asked you earlier. It was like, what are the excuses that you hear from guys? And how do you push them? How do you push them to get a, get a, get? Over I don't think it? you can. I really, I, I don't think you can. I think the 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 most powerful thing I can do. And and somebody asked me this this morning. We'll do. What do we do about Russia and the Ukraine? And nothing. Get your house in order. Right. Get your house in order. Because at the end of the day, if some asshole decides to come invade my country or invade my house or invade my neighborhood, I want to be ready. The reality is I'm not going to ask somebody else to come save my ass. I'm going to fucking get ready. Like the thing that's fascinating is like when you talk about the people that cheer for you, like I don't think there's anything more important, but there's probably nothing that's, that it it costs you nothing. It's free. It's absolutely free what you put into your mind whether you like it or you or you don't. Like if you're following shitbags on social media, that's your choice. You've chosen to follow those shitbags. I promise you, you follow me long enough or follow you long enough, you're going to get motivated at some point. You might be pissed the fuck off. You might curse me for five <laughs> years, but there might be that one day where you're like, fuck, fine, I'm in. That's it, that's it, right? But I can't grab you. I can't shake you. Like one of my favorite quotes is, when the pain of the current reality becomes greater than the fear of change, that's when men change. So when the pain of right now, like watching you win, I might be a hater, but that pain becomes so great that I'm then willing to overcome the fear to say, hey, Evan, can you help me? Evan, will you do this? Will you show me? Whatever, whatever. That's that fear. That's when men change. It's that, it, call it humility, call it whatever you want. But I see this all the fucking time. I post a Lamborghini. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I share. So there's going to be somebody shitting on it. It's like I talked about earlier. So there's going to be somebody judging yeah. it. But one of the things that I, I encourage, like everybody listening to this is your peer group, like the people that you surround yourself with is so fun. And you know this as well as anybody is probably one of the most important things you'll do. Because as you went through this whole deal and going public and, and I mean, you relied on a lot of people. Like you're, the buck stops with you, the guy, the boss checked, signed the deal. But like at the end of the day, what voices you're listening to and the shit that's coming into your brain is so radically important because if you're if you're surrounded by fucking losers, you're going to be a fucking loser. If you're surrounded by people that are constantly bitching, constantly moaning, I wish, I wish, I wish, I hope, I hope, I hope, fuck hope and fuck wishing. Like this is the reason I surround myself with killers. This is the reason I surround myself with people that are doing big shit in business. So I, one of the reasons I follow you and was watching your shit. I was watching Mike's story, your story, everybody's stories throughout the day. Logan's stories, watching like, fuck, dude. They're on the New York Stock Exchange. I'm sorry, that's like fucking with the audio. They're on the New York Stock Exchange. And for me, I'm looking at it like, that is so fucking dope. Like genuinely, I'm like, I, I want that juice. Give me that juice because I know what it takes to build. I know what you guys had to overcome to fucking, even part of what I think I know to overcome to get there. But like, that's what's so fucking rad about life. And right now in the finite experience that we have is like, we have a supercomputer in our fucking pocket, bro. 
Like somebody challenged me the other day. I said, you can find any answer. Yeah, you can't, whatever. How to make a million dollars. There's a million. I said, Google how to build a spaceship. NASA, this is, you You want anything, find it online. NASA has published blueprints of how right. to build a fucking man, man, uh, a manned rocket for space. There's blueprints. Now, does Home Depot carry all those parts? <laughs> Highly likely that they don't, right? But the reality is NASA has published blueprints of how to build a fucking rocket. And you want me to believe that you can't get off the couch? You want me to believe that you're a fat sack of shit because of daddy or mommy or there's not a gym close enough or whatever, whatever? Like this is, in my opinion, the the as the good book says, the dividing of the wheat from the chafe. And I can shake you, punch you, kick you, isolate you, whatever you want. But until that pain of the, of your current reality becomes greater than your fear of change, that's when men will change. And I think what what's really fun about Lions on a Sheep and what I get to do, and I have the the privilege of doing is like when we have our live events, something people are terribly afraid of is public speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I will literally just walk around and I will just grab people randomly right. and bring them up on stage in front of 500, yeah. 700,000 people, right? And I know what that's like. It's terrifying. And a lot of people laugh at me and they mock and they see my shit online and they're like, oh, dude, you're just, yeah, you're yelling like fucking lions and looking like an idiot. If you had any idea how terrifying it is for a human being to stand up in front of other people and speak, like most people do. That's the reason they mock instead of actually doing it. For me to be able to have like the experience of doing that with another human being and bringing them up in front of thousands of people, knowing that their heart rate's like 180, 190 beats a minute. I'm praying to God they don't have a pacemaker and they fucking die like on the spot, right? right. Like, do we get liability waivers from these motherfuckers <laughs> here, right? But like watching someone do something as simple as standing in front of thousands of people, I realize like that's the game that I'm playing is... I can't convince you. I can post whatever I want on social media and you're going to take with it whatever you will. Like I, I turning off the comments, the, the entire philosophy of that. I realize that people are going to judge no matter what, but at the end of the day, for me being a free man, it's far more than the money and the shackles and this. It's literally being able to wake up knowing that God gave me another day. Fuck all of the pain, all of the fear, all the frustration, all of those things. Like if I knew that, tonight's dinner was the last meal that I was going to eat. What would I do today? And that's real. That's not morbid. I mean, you've seen morbid. You've seen this. I haven't seen that. But the reality is there's a high probability that somebody listening to this isn't going to see another sunset. Right. And that's not morbid. Like I chose a long time ago to, I had an, an energy worker that I met with and I love energy. I think energy and like where we are and there's people that have skill sets that can open us up to different things and different ideas and philosophies and I had this energy worker like have me vision my death. And it wasn't this like car crash thing, but it, I, I, I visioned me laying on my deathbed. And the thing that terrified me wasn't dying. It was that I didn't have another option. I had no more options. I, have, I could have coffers of money. I could have fucking chests of money and all of the shit that we aspire to and we work for and we, we sell our souls for. Knowing that I couldn't go back and play football with my kids, knowing that I could never go back and race Baja with my son again, knowing I could never go back and ride horses with my daughter again, knowing I could never go back and have a podcast with you, knowing I could never go back and build that business, hug my wife, take that trip. It fucking terrifies me. It terrifies me. And I have reoccurring nightmares of me being on my deathbed knowing God's putting shit in here and shit in here and I'm squandering it because I'm worried about some asshole on the other side of the planet leaving a comment on my Instagram. Or I'm worried about what you might think or pulling up in a Lamborghini and somebody going, oh, dude, what a douche. 
And so I don't buy the Lamborghini. I realized that at some point in time, like I will, I mean, chances of me laying on my deathbed are slim to none. I'm going to die in a fiery crash doing something. I'm going to put way too much Tannerite in the refrigerator. It's going to blow me over, fucking smoke me, right? I'm going to drive my race truck right off a cliff or hit a wall at 200 miles an hour. But let's just hypothetically pretend that I get there. The reality is like, I want to have the biggest fucking smile on my face and be like, dude, I did it all. I did all of it. Because at that point, and, and, and hopefully this inspires somebody to think about this, just, just to even put it in your pipe and smoke it, that when you're there, we're all going to be there. You don't have another option. I mean, you look at uh, um, Steve Jobs when he was on his deathbed. He's like, I'm worth $7 billion. I have all the money. I have everything I could ever want. And I can't buy my health. I can't go back. And you listen to his, his, his own personal eulogy and he talks about how he would give all of the money that he had to go back. And what I look at now is he's talking to me. Right. He's talking to you. He's talking to Sean at 43 years old going, Sean, look, dude, you're going to be here. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a fiery crash. Maybe whatever. But you're going to get here. Knowing that, play all in today. Mm-hmm. Say everything that comes to your mind, whether it's politically correct or not whether the shareholders like it or not. Do the things that you might feel cheesy doing, that you might think are kind of sappy, lovey, whatever, whatever, but you know connects you to your wife or your significant other. Like say the things that you want to say to your kids. I tell my kids all the time, I text them every day. I text my kids shit every single day, whether it's I love them or I appreciate them or I'm proud of them because I want them to know that. I want, I want my kids to know that if all of a sudden I walk out of here and it's the last freaking podcast I ever do, that their dad loved them and that I appreciated them and that I actually cared about them and not just, once a year or not just on the vacation, but like every fucking day. I want my people to know, like I played all in. I might not have done it the way that he did it or he did it or he did it or he did it, but dude, I was free and I did it the way that I wanted to do it. You know? And I, to me, that's the game that, that I'm playing. That's why I'm here. Going all the way back to that conversation around like, I broke it down to why am I even here? Like, what's my purpose here? Like, what's the objective that I have, Right. People struggle with trying to find their purpose. And I think my purpose is literally living in this exact moment because I don't know what tomorrow's going to be. I don't know what next week's going to be. We have plans, we have ideas. What if today, was, what if this was the last conversation you're ever going to have? What if this was the last podcast you ever did? What would you say? What would you do? Like, what would you share with the world? Mm-hmm. That's how I want to live my life. That's what I want to be, quote unquote, known for. That's what I want Lions Not Sheep to wave the flag upon the world is knowing like, hey, so long as there's breath in your freaking lungs, you have an option. You have a choice. You might be sore. You might have no, both your knees blown out. Didn't stop a blind guy from fucking climbing Mount Everest. So what's your excuse? Go to fucking work. Build the dreams. Surround yourself with good people. Listen to what smart people are fucking doing. Before we jumped on the podcast, I was asking about the stock and thing in the public because I want to know. Like I'm talking to the guy who fucking did it. Like I want to know that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm hungry for knowledge. I'm hungry to learn. I'm hungry to get as much out of this experience in this day as humanly possible. So I think if, if, if you and I do anything in this life, it's, it's being all in. Mm-hmm. It's being free. It's playing all in and showing that to the world. And it's, and it's, it's, that's, like, that's a powerful message. I think it's a powerful message for people to think about. I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. So what... What you got from an energy worker is what I got from my, my combat reality, which is I would think about my death every day for years. 
so for from 2003 to 2014, almost every day of my life, excluding we'll call them 60 days out of the year, every day I was thinking like, I'm going to lose my legs or I'm going to lose my life. Like every day I would think for you know seven and a half years in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, it, I'm going to lose my legs or I'm going to lose my life. So every day for seven and a half years, I was conditioned to think about my death or to think about my immobility, like uh, a probability of losing mobility. So what, how is this going to impact my life from a physical circumstance? How is this going to impact my life from just me living or dying? So in 2014, I've told this to people, uh, when I started this company, I was like, I'm free. Like I don't have to live in that reality anymore, but I'm never going to live under the confines of another set of rules ever again. Like I was out of government service. You know, I was miserable. I was fucking psychologically, like I was fried. I was a fucking asshole. I was, I was negative. I was, I was pessimistic. I wasn't, I wasn't curious. I was just like, fuck. But then what happened was, so I got let out of jail. I don't have a security clearance that I have to worry about anymore. So what if I want to go to Washington State and, you know, have an edible in 2014? Like I could do it. I was free. It's not like I don't have to worry about placating to a certain crowd about who I am or what I'm doing. It is what it is. I'm going to do exactly what it is I want to do. I'm never going to leave another second on the table because I now I got to wake. I got to wake up and make up for a bunch of time too, right? And. I've had to try to have these conversations, I think, not necessarily in a public or a podcast forum, but it's interesting because you got there and I got there and we're very, very similar in our psychology where, and I see it, I see it in, in the message you put out and I see it from some of my other buddies, uh, my buddy Dave Rutherford, he's a former Navy SEAL, he's he he's a motivational speaker. Frog logic is one of the things that he does and does really fucking well, but he's the same way. It's like mm-hmm. not leaving a fucking second. I'm not leaving it. I'm not leaving any time on the clock, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm running it down to the wire. Like, and if I got to throw it from the half yard, like, or the, the half court. court, like it's fucking going yeah. down. And when I talk to, and, and I think addressing your peer statement, which is who you spend time with. I've, I've talked about this a lot with my friends because if they're hanging out with fucking losers, mm-hmm. like you realize that there's a transition for your kids when they're your kids and then when they're their friends, when there's more influence from their friends than there is from you. And that transition typically takes place when they're 12 to 13 years old. No, I have two of those right now. So it's like- Heaven help me. We lose the ability to influence our children and their peer groups influence them more than we do. And at that point in time, as adults, it's the same thing. So if you hang out with a bunch of fucking deadbeats, you're a deadbeat. Sorry, it's just the way it is. Like if you don't spend time with people that are constantly pushing uh, to succeed in the ways that you want to, it could be a fucking wide variety of things. It could be like, you know, emotionally, psychologically, physically, a combination of all those things combined. Like I don't define people's success by, you know, how much they're worth either. Like that that's the other piece where it's like people are like, who you spend time with. It's like a lot of my friends are my friends and they're just like they're welders and electricians and all kinds of other fucking weird ass people because I like spending time with people that yeah. are just quality people. 
But quality people has fucking nothing to do with how much money you're, right. there's in your bank account. Sometimes we measure differently based on, especially when we're entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are always trying to like, okay, well, has this guy done this? And I think most of the time that's not because we're trying to be competitive. It's because what's worked. Like we're trying to figure out if sure. you're curious. If you're an entrepreneur, you're like, how the fuck did that guy do it? Because yeah. I want, maybe I can grab some of those tools and put them into my toolbox and start turning on totally. the things on the wrenches over here. Because I think genuinely there are a lot of entrepreneurs, when they see other people succeed, they're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like that's fucking rad. He made yeah. it. Like what? Like, totally. like one of the guys, like one of the dudes totally. made it. Like fucking did it. Because I know I am when I see like exactly my buddies. My buddy started a business like about five and a half years ago in Austin. And I mean, dude, he's been grinding and he just went through his A round and like picked up like 20 million bucks on his A round. And like, I was just as happy, if not happier for him to hear that that happened for him than whether it happened for fucking yeah. me. Cause you know, cause, cause you know, the grind sucks. You know, and like yeah. that's what, that's why I think, you know, in every aspect of life, like I know what it takes to get jacked physically, right? I grew up, both my parents are overweight. Both my parents are big. I have all the stories, the genetics, the whole thing. And it's like, you look at somebody who's jacked and like, dude, fuck genetics. Right. You could be a fat, lazy piece of shit laying on the couch and you're not. So what do you do? What do you eat? How do you do the deal? It's the same thing with business. Like you look at it, somebody, you look at a guy like Andy, right? Facilla who owns yeah. First Form. Started selling like $7 of supplements his first day. And you hear that story and it's kind of like, oh, whatever. Right. So you're saying that from your $400,000 Rolls Royce. But he fucking did though. He did. He did. I yeah. mean, you started fucking, I've seen the pictures of you making the coffee <laughs> in, in, in war. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't this bougie fucking <laughs> yeah. place and people and hundreds of employees. And like, like, that's the thing that like, that should fire you up. And a lot of people, it makes them mad or makes them jealous. They're like, they see you now. I fuck, I want that. And they see the Lambo now and you're like, you don't realize six years ago or yeah. five years ago. But what's dope is like, we both said the same thing. You woke up today. If you're listening to this right now, I don't give a fuck where you are, what planet you're on. doesn't matter. You won the fucking lottery. You won it. Period. Yeah. If you're listening to this in 20, what are you, 2022? Sure. 2025, whatever year it is, <laughs> right? You have some edibles today or something. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, Wherever you fucking are, like, and you're listening to this, and this isn't some motivational speech, it's true. You've seen people that you woke up with that you didn't go to bed with. You've seen that happen. And the reality is, like, so long as you have that, like, revel in the fucking success of others. Revel in, like, the success of just being alive. Like it's Being alive. People, I, we were snowmobiling up in Idaho two weeks ago. We went yeah, to— Yeah, thanks we, for the invite to that, too. <laughs> Casey we went, and fucking Buff Cookie and Neil are, like, so enjoying awesome. it. Gosh. So we took our snow machines out uh, from this hot springs to a restaurant. It was like five miles away. We all got to this restaurant. It's like 20 people on snow machines. We pull in. There are other people leaving. And those guys left there. We sat down to eat, to have dinner. One of the guys went off trail, hit a fucking tree and died. We had a conversation right out front, right out front of this little restaurant in the middle of Idaho, the middle of the mountains. Like, tore ass out of there on, on his snow machine and died. And all of us sitting there, like we're very comfortable with uh, the realities mm -hmm. of death. 
you know, a lot of EMS and, you know, mill guys. So they responded to it. They did what they could for him. But I mean, he was there and then gone. But it, what it reminded me of was exactly this. Like, wow, shit. We, we have the opportunity to roll out of bed in the morning and reset the entire thing and do it again. Like, how fucking lucky are we? That never escapes me. Like, yeah. there's not a day that I roll Same out of bed where I'm like, holy shit, like, this is, this is, this is it again. Like, I get it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I get another fucking day. This is awesome. There's never a day I roll out of bed. I'm, I'm a super morning person. Like, yeah. I'm like, like, fucking on nitrous every morning, like up until about two o'clock in the afternoon, like I am fucking on nitrous because I'm like, dude, I'm stoked. Yeah. I roll out of bed. I'm ready to go. It's my best time to get work done. It's my best time. Like I'm happy. I was talking to my daughter today. I was like slapping her on the butt on the way up the stairs. And, uh, and she's a morning person too. And our other, our younger one was like, kind of melting down and having a little fucking morning crisis, you know? And she's like, you and I, daddy, we're morning people, you know? And she's like, so stoked. And I was like, yeah, exactly. And she's like, I, you're never in a bad mood in the morning. I'm like, I'm never in a bad mood in the morning. I'm never not like fucking fired up and ready to go. It doesn't even matter. It's like, man, I could have two hours of sleep. I'm like ready to fucking rock and roll because it's a gift. It's a fucking gift. People that are listening to this too, like, you can look at that statement and I get this a lot. I'm sure you get this a lot too. Yeah. Well, it's because you are here or what was it like when you were struggling? I get that all the time. What you talk about this now and where were you at before? I'm like, the reason that I have the gratitude that I have now is because I did that before. Like I made that habitual. Like one of the first, the very first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, I snuggle my wife, whatever, whatever I get up and, and I give thanks. I literally walk over to the window of my house I look out the window and I give thanks Mm -hmm. just because I get another shot at this. Like when you start your day with gratitude, whether you fire it up, whether you're Jocko up at two fucking 30 every morning, who (laughs) the fuck knows, right? (laughs) That guy's a psychopath. Like every day I'm like, Uh, that's never going to be me. Like I was joking about that the other day. So I'm like, that dude's an absolute animal, but I will never fucking be that guy. I I won't be that guy either, man. Like I I did that not because of Jocko. I did that just literally because of the requirements of work for 430 for years until my doctor was like, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. You probably should sleep a little bit more. Yeah. I, so now I've had to work for years to get eight hours, like seven and a half to eight hours. Yeah. Like I've had to work for two and a half years just to try to get my sleep up to the point where I can sleep for eight hours. Yeah. And by the way, it's made my life better. Oh, totally. Like it, it's made the, my the life grind, better. like get off. If you're on social media and everybody's like grind, grind, grind till your freaking dick falls off. You're like, oh, that's a terrible plan. Actually. It's a, it's a terrible plan. Terrible plan. Pe- it's people, like, People ask me all the time about how much do you have? I'm like eight hours at least. At least at every least. single night. I have to get at least eight hours or I'm completely fucking miserable. You said something early on. It's what I tell people all the time. It's time triage. Mm-hmm. Is How are you allocating your time throughout the day? And then you're triaging it against the things that will yield you the greatest ROI towards where you're headed. 100%. That's what it is. I talk to guys all the time entrepreneurs where they're like, hey, well, you know, I'm working so hard. I'm working so hard. I'm like, hey, dude, I could go out back and I could dig holes in my three and a half acre facility all fucking day long. Mm -hmm. And I would be working hard. I could put in an 18 hour day with a shovel and a pick and I could be working hard. Guess what? I'm not doing jack or shit for my business or my family. 100%. I'm just working hard. So don't give me this working hard horse shit. Yeah. What did you do? What did you actually do? 100%. It's like, 
dude, if you're bleeding out and you have a femoral or you have a femoral bleed and you have a scrape on your knee, and if you go to work on the fucking scrape on your knee, you're gonna be dead. You're dead. You're I'm, dead. It's it's probably the biggest lesson that you can teach an entrepreneur or want to be entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur is exactly that. Fifteen hour a day doesn't mean jack shit if you did nothing. That's where I was in my kind of one career. I was the CEO that had the revolving door and everybody would come in and I'd talk all day long. At the end of the day, I'm like, fuck, this is such a I've had such a long day and I'm looking at what did I did what I did and I got nothing done. Like I've got a client who owns a, 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 a an auto body shop and he's like, dude, I'm literally in my my office fifteen hours a day. He's like, I don't get anything done because everybody comes in and asks me all these questions. And I'm like, these are questions that you're paying these people to fucking solve. This is why they're your employees. I said, this is literally just one single nugget that I gave this guy because I did this. When I started another company, I'm like, dude, I put a do not disturb sign on my door. And I had a company meeting and I told everybody from one to two, my door's open. This is your time to come talk to me. Because I know that if the if the building was on fire, you're smart enough to call 911. You don't need to come fucking ask me. But the reality is like he, he put that sign on his door and he's like, dude, my entire business changed. My home life changed. My health changed. I like literally put in a seven hour day and I could be home. Like stuff like that. Like it doesn't matter if you're digging holes all day long. If your job is to fucking record the podcast, you get nothing done. As the CEO, CMO, any position Anything. that you want, like being able to be, a, I, I talk a lot about with Lions on Sheep becoming a sniper. Like if you went hunting, you're a big hunter. If you went elk hunting with a 12 gauge, how successful are you going to be? You try and shoot an elk at 300 yards with a 12 gauge. Right. Could, you could shoot a hundred fucking times. <laughs> you could matter. shoot buck, you could shoot slugs, you could shoot whatever the fuck you want. You will never hit that deer. And that's what most entrepreneurs do. They wake up, they grab the shotgun, they just bang, 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 shooting at anything and everything anything. that they can. And they hit nothing. What happens when you pick up a 30 out six or a 300 wind Mac? I'll freaking smoke an elk at 300 yards. No problems. One shot killed, done. Game over. What if you treated your business like that? What if you treated a relationship like that? We go out on date night with our wives, investing in our relationship, but we're buckshot in our freaking business and we're handling this, baby, I got to close this deal. Da, right. da, da, da. And you wonder why the marriage falls apart because there's no investment of time there. You take two hours, three hours to go on date night and you leave your phone in the fucking car. Those two or three hours, single best investments you could make. Same thing with your office. You go into the business. It's like, this is my copy time. I'm writing now. I have an hour of writing. Well, that stretches into eight hours because you hey, take 18 other calls and 18 other meetings, whatever, whatever. Before you know it, who ends up losing? You. You. 10 out of 10 times. You're the one that gets burned out. You're the one that gets divorced. You're the one whose company crumbles to the fucking ground. I know because I did that. I did it that way. And like like what you're talking about and like the the advice for entrepreneurs, I mean, there's a lot of the feel-good stuff and waking up and being grateful and whatever, whatever but it's, it's truly respecting yourself and respecting your time above pretty much anything else. Like I, I take a nap at 2.30 every day. Your two o'clock is my 2.30. Right. I wake up, I, something happens. I could drink all the freaking great coffee in the world. Yeah. At 2.30 every day, my body's like, you need to fucking chill out. And I've learned that about myself. So from 2.30 to 3 every single day, I take a nap. And dude, I, the rest of my day, I'm so fucking charged. That 30-minute investment into me, it's the same thing you start your morning. You put good shit in your brain. Uh, James Allen, one of my favorite authors who wrote As a Man Thinketh, he, he talks about your mind is a garden. You're either pruning it and taking care of it, or you're letting it run wild, you let it run wild, good fucking luck. You take 30 minutes. I don't have time today. I don't have time to do that in the afternoon. Really? Cool, then burn your entire freaking world down, burn your business down, show up at home like an asshole when you get home and you're exhausted from the day and you treat your kids like shit or you treat your wife like shit and you wonder why this cycle just keeps repeating itself, you know? So many little strategies, man. I see that because I've done it 
like I've, I've done everything you just said. Mm -hmm. Like I've done it all. Like yep. in eight years, I've done exactly what you said where I had the revolving door. Right. And I was just fucking burnt out. It's totally. fried. Like not working out, not sleeping, revolving door, like getting behind. I had business partners early on. All they wanted to do is strategize. Yeah. I, all they want to do is sit around and pontificate about what they could do. And I'm like, I got to execute. Yeah. I literally got up and I, I, I walked out of a, of a meeting with my, my, some of my early partners. I was like, I got to go to work. I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I'm, I'm over like the whole talk, 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 yeah. like n enough talky, more action, like more action. And, um, and I made this, like, I've made these like super definitive changes in my life because what happens to go back to your 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 other point which was when the pain what was it when the pain of the current reality becomes greater than the fear of change right so when the pain of the current reality became greater than the fear of change mm -hmm. what would happen is i would say this is fucking so painful yep i gotta change and i would hit it and i would change so the wasting of the time five years ago I started doing what was called time triage. I'd sit down with a notepad and I'd, I would outline my entire day. I would, I would outline it like I did 15 minutes here. I did 10 minutes here. I answered this many questions. I had this many. And I would just go through my entire day. And I would look at it at the end of the day and I would do, like, I would do an audit, either at the end of the day or in the morning. And then I'd start looking at this over the course of a week or two weeks. And then I'd start scratching the things off that didn't result in the direct ROI on where I wanted to go. And then what I would do is I would start scratching those things off and then I'd make a commitment to not doing those things again. Mm -hmm. I'd say, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to take 20 business meetings about bullshit mm -hmm. possibilities that will never fucking yeah, move the needle. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, but, 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 fuck like, but. It never ends. Yep. It, there's always a possibility. You know, the there's always a question. There's always a question. There's always this. There's yep. always that. It's like, it never ends. It's infinite. Mm -hmm. It will suck you 100%. dry. Yep. It's like coming up with a plan, organizing your priorities, and then looking at, okay, how do I get to this? So I wrote my mission success. Uh, my, my mission for this was to transition out of government service and live a, a happy and fulfilling life. Quite literally. That was my, that was my, my mission statement for transitioning. Had nothing to do with wealth. Had nothing to do with like a business or a culture or anything else. It's like, I'm just trying to fit into these things. So when you leave happy, mm -hmm. when you say happy, what is happiness? Yeah. Happiness has to be defined over the course of, you know, months, if not years. It's not something that you can do like daily where you're just like reacting. You have to build to it. You have to build things that create happiness. That ROI adjustment with time, chopping your, 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 for me, it was like, I'd put a sign on my door, same thing. Do not disturb. Like under threat of death, yeah. do not disturb. And then finally I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go to the office unless I'm there to interact with people. To do something. Because, yeah, right. to, be, to, to meet people or to have a meeting because it's just too much mm -hmm. to go in and then prevent people from interacting with me. So I'll just stay here. I got a good home office. So I did invest in a good home office mm -hmm. where I could create a work environment where oh, I have to do these three things and these are going to be deep work mode and nobody will disturb me. Yep. And the other piece is I can't have my kids. Uh, for me, it's really important, right? I have to have that time where my kids are not in the house either because I'm not going to be the dad that kicks my kids out of my office because yep. I'm working, 
right? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, hey, 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 I'm on a meeting. It's really important. Yeah. It's like, there's fucking actually nothing more important than nothing. my kids. I've so, taken FaceTime calls in the middle of a meeting thing. where I'm like 10 people and I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Let me call you back. Yeah. Say what's up, everybody. I do that all the time. There's this great story, like my peers or and it's not, he's not my peer. He's, he's like my friend and mentor, Johnny Morris, like the, one of the most successful outdoor brand. I mean, built Bass Pro. Like Johnny's been incredible. Johnny was negotiating to buy Cabela's on the back of a bass boat. And he's like, hold on, guys, I got to call you back. And he hung up on him. Dude, it's the Because he, he was catching fish and he had, his, he had his like kids with him and he was like catching fish. And he's like, it wasn't a negotiation tactic. But here's, here's like, what's funny. This is what we're talking about. That's what's interesting. Like, think about that. Like a uber successful guy. You're talking about your strategies to, for success. I'm talking about my strategy. And you're talking about what real world people that make fuck you money are doing. Right. They're answering their calls. So if you're Johnny Banker making 60K a year and you want to be Johnny Badass with fuck you money, why don't you do what he does? Why aren't we like replicating that right. model of success, right? Your same thing with writing on your time, your schedule, the whole, I the same thing. I wake up with like one task every single day and that evolves into two or three or four, but if those one tasks are done, power patch purpose and production, your mind, like that's the freedom, right? Then I get to go do a, a whole ton of other things. But it's like, I have that, I've had that same journal about you. Like you're sitting in like the biggest meeting ever negotiating, whatever, whatever. And your fucking kid FaceTimes. Like I want to do business with people like that. Those are the people I want to work with. If you're, we're sitting in a meeting, like your kid calls right now and you answer like, that's the type of business yeah. that I want to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those are the kind of people that we want to interact totally. with. Those are the real people. And that's the thing I've learned now over the course of several years where, you know, talking to Johnny or talking to somebody around Johnny, like uh, he would talk about Sam Walton because he knew Sam really well. And he would talk about Sam flying around with his little Cessna looking for property with his dogs in the back of his plane and like land in the middle of some field somewhere and somebody would come out and yell at him. And, you know, <laughs> and it's like, he 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 has this great quote and it was well sam because he came out i think uh, on the on the front page of like fortune magazine as one of the richest men in the world and there's in the in the interview is like well nobody knew how rich sam walton really was like nobody knew until that point and it it always made him very uncomfortable but one of the 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 questions was now that you're rich why don't you have like a rolls royce or something and he's like well my dogs would just my dogs would just get it muddy. So you know, I prefer just to throw them in the back of my, my truck or yeah. whatever. And like Cessna, but it's like that guy, Sam Walton, built something, well, uns, uh, it, it's, it's not even correct to, to put numbers together because the Walton family, as far as their, their billions, you could have their combined worth. But that guy was a visionary that was truly authentic yeah. and he was engaged. He was plugged in with his family. His brother, um, is and was it his brother or his son is killed in Vietnam. He's an SF guy like the Waltons and, you know, Bentonville, Arkansas. They're, they're an incredible family. Like, like their, their amount of philanthropy and when mm -hmm. they give back and this isn't a Walton commercial. It's just like, this is, they, they are real people yeah. that have done incredibly giant things. And it's the same thing. Like I was talking to Johnny about the guy that started Tyson's Chicken. He used to wear his overalls. John Tyson. He used to wear his overalls yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like good old with, boy. With like this brown overalls with this fucking name on it. 
they were telling me that he went, he came to a funeral with his freaking overalls on. Like that's how committed he was to overalls. He's a fucking chicken dude, farmer. But that that's like, that's what makes it dope, dude. It's like, that's what I love about like having this conversation. That's what I love about watching you guys when you're ringing the bell and the whole thing is it's like, I believe that's freedom. Yeah. You know, where that's we freedom. chase a lot and, 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 and I, I, I think my personal opinion as a, like, pontificating, like we're put into this existence, however you want to talk about God or whatever. I believe in God. I've seen three babies come out of a woman's vagina and you can't convince me that it happened by rocks just colliding. I'm like, right. there's gotta be something mystical, magical behind all this. I can't explain it, but <laughs> this is fucking cool, right? Like, that's the thing is you, you come into this existence and it's like, lay, I look at it as like layers. There's just these pro, this programming, right? Like we're programmed with Right, wrong, good, bad, but, 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 but all of these things. Like this is what we look visually as little kids. This is what normal is. With mom, dad, this made him happy. This made him sad. And I truly believe like our entire existence revolves around reprogramming. I think it's our like our opportunity, not our job, not our duty. Here about like breaking family chains and like set all fuck all that stuff. Like me as an individual, you as an individual, whoever's listening to this, literally stopping the entire fucking game and just saying, okay, what do I want today? Right. Like, what do I have to do to do this? My, one of my good buddies, uh, he and I were walking along the beach in, in, in uh, Laguna Beach years ago. And there was this house that was for sale. And this, like, this conversation changed my life. Um, it was a $26 million house. And to make a long story short, we're chopping it up and we're looking at this house. And the conversation wasn't around like the bouginess of this, that, and the other. The, it turned into a single, singular question that I have shared with literally thousands of people. And it wasn't like, well, man, you got to make all this money to do it. How do you buy a $26 million house? It's not hard. You sit down on a calculator. How much is 20% down, 30% down? What's the AM rate? You know, do I get an interest only? What A 13-year-old could freaking figure it out how to physically yeah. buy it. The question is, what type of person lives in a $26 million house? Right. Like, what type of man lives there? What does he eat? What does he drink? What does he drive? What's his, I want to know what his morning routine is. What's right. his morning ritual and his evening ritual? And the question that kind of came up to us that was rhetorical is, who do I have to become right. to live in a $26 million house? Not how do I make the money? Mm -hmm. Not how do I do that? Like, forget what all the money and the cool shit and the 450000 of Bronco and all the, Sean, the Lambo and the whole thing. Forget about all that shit. Who do I have to become to go public? Mm -hmm. Like, who do I have to become to get remarried after divorce? Who do I have to become after I lose millions of dollars to make millions of dollars? Like that, like when you talk about who do I have to become mm -hmm. to be able to wear overalls to a fucking funeral? Who do I have to be inside to do whatever the fuck I want to do? And you started this whole podcast talking about that. Like I figured out that when I went the opposite way on the road that I could literally rewrite all the rules. But the reality is where did those rules come from? Where did they start? Like, where where did all of the rules that we're yeah. playing by as 40, 45, 50-year-old men, where did they come from? Mom, dad, religion, pastor, preacher, education, school. They were given to us as little kids. These rules that we've been, like, we talk about the Jordans. Like, people laugh and they're like, you're 40-something you're years old wearing sneakers. I'm like, yeah. Because every single time I put a pair of Jordans on it, it means something to me. Because I grew up in a working parent household. Both my parents worked, blah, 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 blah. I didn't have a silver spoon. And so every year I'd work all summer long. We'd go to the footlocker to get school shoes before the school year. Dude, and the, the Jordans came out and they were like 
the dopest thing ever. Like if you showed up day one yeah. of school and you had the new J's, it was like, yo, they were just like the <laughs> grail. Don't even walk near me, right? Yeah. I never had that. Because I'd show up and my parents say, okay, you got a $30, you know, budget for shoes and the K-Swiss and the British Knights are what fit in that. Yeah. And I had to pay $70 of my own money that I worked hard for to get a pair of Jordans. I'd never owned a pair of Jordans. And about a year and a half ago, I'm laying, year ago, I'm laying in bed one night and I all my I got a bunch of buddies that are sneaker heads and love these fucking, they wear $5,000 Jordans. And I'm like, I don't get that. But like, that's your jam. Sure, cool, whatever. Cool. Somebody yeah. buys a $450,000 Bronco or a, you know, a $6,000 rifle, whatever. I'm laying in bed and, and, and one night I saw this ad and it was like the story in my brain of like, I've told the story for years about never having bought a pair of Jordans. I could afford the Jordans, but I never bought them. And it was really interesting because as I sat there, like something just had me, I just clicked the buttons, right? Nowadays, the shopping is really easy. You just click a button yeah. and you're done. My yeah. credit card is already auto-filled. Right. Being, I buy, I buy these Jordans. And I shared this with you earlier. Like when they came about a week later, I opened it up and I got super fucking emotional because it wasn't about the shoes. It was that I'm looking at the shoes and I realized that now I have the shoes and I have the story. Like I'd been telling the story my entire life, but now I have these shoes and now I have like a hundred pairs of fucking Jordans. But the reality is I stepped back and talking about who do I have to become? What do I have to do? Who do I have to be to be the guy wearing the overalls wherever the fuck I want? Who do I have to be to like answer my kid's call no matter what meeting I'm in? I was looking at it going, holy shit. Like I spent 40 years telling myself this story that I'd never had a pair of Jordans and I worked hard when I was a kid and right. mom and dad did this and I never bought them. And, and I shared that almost as like this badge of honor. And I think a lot of guys today share these badge of honor stories like, yo, my dad was an asshole. And so I had to, or I lost all, I, blah, blah, whatever the fucking thing is. And it's a story that we literally carry with us. Mom and dad were mean, or I got abused as a kid, or somebody fucked with my brain or whatever, whatever. And it's like, you've been telling the same story for 40 fucking years, bro. Like, when do you rewrite it? <laughs> right. And I realized in buying those pair of Jordans, so anybody like looks, thinks it's funny, like, I'm 43 years old and I wear $800 fucking sneakers. It's because for 40 fucking years, I told that story. And I realized in buying those shoes that now I had the shoes and I had the story. Right. And I literally in that moment, a year, probably 18 months ago, I stepped back from that experience of buying a pair of shoes, just a pair of shoes. And I started looking at my entire life and I'm like, what other stories am I telling? That my, both my parents are fat and that I can't get in shape. Okay. Well, there's a challenge. And I went on a challenge that, you know, I went through this nasty divorce and I was fucked in the brain and had depression and whatever, whatever. Okay, well, what would it look like if I got remarried? What would it look like if I trusted again? What would it look like if I did all these things? And literally like my entire existence has just become rewriting stories. So when I face that resistance, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what would I have to do? Who do I have to become to go public? I've literally had this conversation with my team. I'm like, okay, everyone went public. What do we have to do? We're literally, do, like right now, we're bringing on the accountants and the accounting team to build a company because we're, significantly further back where you guys are so that in the future, if that's something that I want to do, that we have that. So I'm looking at it saying, what stories do I have to rewrite about putting accountants on and opening up the books and making all of these things happen to be in this space? And I think that's something that like, you look at you, you look at John Tyson, you know, any of these moguls that have come before and all these dudes, in my opinion, whether they were nutty or not, a lot of them were fucking nuts because you have to a be nuts. Them, yeah, yeah, you got to be nuts. You have to be fucking nuts to, to do nuts. what we do. At the same time, a lot of them just had that fuck you attitude and said, I'm going to do it my way. I mean, if you go back and you watch the, um, what's that story about the guys who founded America? The men who founded America. 
Have you ever seen that on mm. Netflix? And it's no. about the Carnegies and the Rockefellers. No. Bro, you're going to get hooked. Go watch it. It's okay. on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix or Prime or whatever. Right. Men Who Built America. Okay. And it's the storyline of J.P. Morgan Chase, of the Carnegies oh, and the wow. Rockefellers. Yeah. They, these industries didn't even exist. No, they didn't. Yeah. Like the banking world, J.P. Morgan's father was this big finance guy and he wanted to do all these things with Edison and lighting and his dad said he was fucking stupid mm -hmm. and he was nuts and his dad cut him off. Well, now J.P. Morgan Chase is one of the biggest banks in the world. Mm -hmm. Like you look at the Carnegies and the Rockefellers, these are dudes that were told they're fucking moronic. Yeah. They're Carnegie. stupid. Yeah. They're Carnegie dumb. Carnegie was like, this idiot. will never that, work. That's exactly like he, he fought against that his entire life. He's uneducated. Now we go to the we go to Carnegie Hall. Yeah, you got half of half of New York City that's been dedicated yeah. and built to his 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 heroicism, his audacity. Right? You look at all of these people that have come before us, and like that's really the antithesis. They step back and say, "All right, what do I have to do to do this? Who do I have to become?" And and in the midst of all of that bullshit, they did it. It's really easy once you do it, because then we look at it and go, oh, well, you know, but how do I take a coffee company up against Folgers and Starbucks and da -da -da and do this deal? Like, how do I take an apparel company when there's 5,000 apparel companies and do what the fuck I want to do? Who do I have to become that when people are laughing at this or laughing at that, that I'm like... I'm just going to make content off of your fucking comment right now, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to go viral. So you should know you're helping me, right? It's, it's so like, that's, that's such a really cool point. When you think about the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, Bezos, mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs. I'm going right? to put a thousand songs in your pocket. People are like, what the fuck are you fuck talking you? about? We got a like, disc what man. What are you talking about? A yeah. man. Well, even, even all those guys, like I, I look at, even Zuckerberg, right? Mm -hmm. where, where Zuckerberg or Bezos or whomever, like regardless of their political uh, opinions, what they did was something that hadn't been done before. Yep. So Bezos, regardless of whether or not you, you like him or you don't like him, he did something that nobody had done before. And it's a very convenient system. Mm -hmm. he, he built the fucking mousetrap so whether you like him or you don't like him, like the guy built it, man. Yeah. He fucking did it. Zuckerberg is the same way. Like, it, and it's really easy for all these guys to just get fucking arrows. What is, what is it like? Uh, what, what's that old saying? It's um, uh, it's frontiersmen get arrows in their backs or something like that, right? It's like being first mm -hmm. in something yeah. is always like, it takes a little bit. But I look at these guys and it it really kind of, not because I'm in, in the even the same type of category, but I look at these guys like, fuck, dude, Facebook was revolutionary. It changed still the world. is. It still changed is. the fucking world. Literally. Amazon Prime, like, get out of here. Like, we can press a button on our phone and, and, get, in and get a toothbrush <laughs> in a half hour. Like, this shit didn't exist, man. Like, like regardless you used to of write a letter like, and it yeah, took a month yeah. to get it there and two months to get it back. And the yeah. whole time you're like, Oh man! Fuck! What are they gonna wait. say? You know, like, oh, I want to put together a, yeah. a, a a group of friends to to you know reenact like you know the Civil War something or whatever. You'd have to like send out letters and call people by a fucking push button phone. Like now you can put it all together and you can put it out online. You can do the whole thing and oh, you can get other weirdos you to do, do your reenactment. Yeah, you can do the thing. <laughs> right? You it's do it like, virtually. It's awesome. You yeah. have to do it for real. It's freaking awesome. It it's like I look at these guys. I'm like. What you've built is incredible. Yeah. I used the to get pissed systems. at Zuckerberg at first. 
Yeah, me too. I used to get pissed at Zuckerberg. Fuck you, freedom, and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden I realized, and you know this, you've made millions of dollars because of Facebook. I have made millions of dollars because of Facebook. Last year, I kind of stepped back and I was like, I don't agree with you politically. The fact that you keep shutting me off, it's like, the truth is, is if you came and played in my sandbox, I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah. If I built the same sandbox and like, I don't like you, I'd probably kick you out of my sandbox yeah. too. Like you, you're, you're talking about socialism. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you know what I'm be, saying? It'd yeah. be weird. Yeah. It'd it's be like, it's odd. Get out of here. But I, I started looking at it going, dude, I was one of the guys shitting on that back in the day, literally while I was making millions of dollars. And I stepped back and I realized like Zuckerberg doesn't know anything more today. Like he's, he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's, he's building something new. He, 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 whether he stole it in a dorm or not, who gives a shit? Bezos, Zuckerberg, it. whatever it is, he <laughs> like, still did it. Like he still had to build it. Like, like regardless of the idea, that's the thing I was talking to somebody about. Oh, he fucked over those guys. I'm like, do you understand how they're hard still billionaires it is to build something? <laughs> yeah. Like are you the execution piece? Like everybody has a fucking idea. Hundred percent. Like everybody has the same idea. We've all had relatively the same ideas. Mm-hmm. The execution is the hard part. I've heard it over and over. Like you want to know, like everybody's had a great idea for a viral video. Like, totally. Everybody has a viral video. Everybody idea. does. Everybody. Oh, like the fucking chirping. I'm like, well, then if you're, if you got a great go idea, do it. go do it. Like, go you, do you it. You got a camera in your Send pocket. It. You got a Facebook account. If it's so fucking easy, go do it, man. Because, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, it's easy, right? How many what? people say, oh, I got this shirt idea or this coffee idea or you should mix this with this or that one company is giving freaking the beans to the elephants and they shit it out and then yeah, they put yeah, it in the yeah. coffee and the whole thing. Every, it, it's... That's the separating. That's like why those dudes, you look at them, you're like, hats off, man. I don't agree with you politically. Completely disagree. But the fact that you built a platform that a billion people use, that literally like when somebody tries to hand me a a business card, I'm like, just hit me up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Send me a message on Instagram. Like (laughs) I literally don't take that. They freak me out. I'm like, I don't want that because it's just going to go in the trash. I'll save you the two cents. It's going to go in my pocket. I'm going to put it on my nightstand and then I'm going to throw it away. Send me a DM. Yeah. I literally don't communicate with people via business cards anymore. We're 10 years ago. That's like well, the whole thing. Like the cool part of this though, like, like watching you guys build coffee, it's coffee. It's coffee. There's people making millions of dollars selling water. My buddy, Ryan Bowen here who owns, um, I just forgot the name of his company. U.S. Water Solutions or whatever it is. Right, yeah, yeah. He sells oh, water. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's Ryan's my yeah, buddy. Yeah. He sells water. He literally has, he, he, he's, he's the filter. The wall filter yeah, thing. It's got, the, yeah. yeah, I've got yeah, it in my awesome. warehouse too. Like, this is a dude who was a hustler. He sold cars. Da, 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 da. He says the same thing. He got, he was, he grew up in Tooele, bumfuck Egypt, nobody around, whatever. And he's like, I just started surrounding myself with different people, looking at different shit. He's like, I saw something different. I saw a better way of doing it. I saw a culture, a tribe that re- resonates with me. And so I invented this water machine. And now he makes literally million, he just bought a, built or bought one of the biggest houses in Utah. Bought That's a fucking, fucking castle awesome. on the side of the mountain. <laughs> He's got a big awesome. old beard and you meet him and he just wears a sweatshirt and jeans and you're like, what? And he drives up in a $400,000 Lamborghini. He's got like six of them, right? Yeah. It's like, the, it's water. It's water. Water's been around for a long fucking time. Coffee's been around for a long time. T-shirts, gear, apparel, been around for a long fucking time. Like if you're sitting there like questioning, like put your stamp on the market. Like, utilize the tools, man. You have a supercomputer. I've said this to a thousand people before. Like, you literally can do anything you want yeah. with your fucking phone. You have more computing power than it than it, 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 it took to land a rocket on the moon in your pocket. Isn't that wild? Like, so why aren't you using it? I, I, I talk about that all the time, even within the, in the company, mm-hmm. within the social media aspects of, of, of the company. I'm like, guys, 
we don't need a new $18,000, you know, camera stabilizer. Like you need to learn how to use the fucking camera in your pocket. Cause like all like we did a your video. biggest videos were like the ones that are the old ones that school, are fucking, man. Like dude, you with the Carl. biggest ones. Yeah. Like it's like 55 million views on like <laughs> on a uh, Christmas steel or some shit. Yeah. And that was like five years ago. With like a Canon. But then camera, you know? Yeah. That was like on an a seven six or something. Yeah. Right. And it's like, or an a seven S and that, that camera costs like 500 bucks a day mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm like, you don't need, you know, a gimbal stabilizer with, you know, a red camera and a bunch of other shit. You just need to be able to make quality content mm-hmm. and then you're good. Just get it out. Yeah. But people, they'll create all the excuses, which we've already covered that. I think, one, I think you got to come back. Like, I think you got to come back and you got to come back on like a regular cadence because Damn, I don't dude. see you fucking enough whatsoever. Two, you got to tell people like where, like what all does Lions... Lions not sheep. What what all does it do? Like, what do you do? Like, you do live events. You do you have like online coaching. You got a bunch of shit that you guys do. Yeah, we've got uh, obviously the apparel, uh, which is really kind of it's really put us on the map the last year. Right. Um. I mean, there we have we just hit our two hundred thousandth order, which is huge because it represents about six hundred thousand garments, which in a year is a huge deal for us. Um, and so the, the apparel game is something that we're super focused on right now. Like the subscription box model is something that I'm, I'm really jacked about. Uh, and to me, it's like when you see somebody wearing it, like literally our, our, our brand new, um, president COO came from tap out Mm -hmm. and he's like, I've never been a part of a deal or a company besides tap out that had that type of recognition where people see it and there's like an instant connection. Like you're like, okay, we're on the same team kind of a deal. Uh, So the apparel is huge for us. Um, That's something that we're expanding. But yeah, we've got uh, online coaching. I've got about 3000 clients that, you know, I do virtual coaching with and do, uh, that's that lion's den that we do the lion's den live. Um, We do events. You know, my wife and I are talking about doing couples events and stuff like that. Um, I think that'd be cool because I've seen a lot of your yeah, stuff with yeah. you and your wife. Like it, it, you guys do a really the, good job. The reason I love doing what I'm doing, man, is like, it's just, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. You know, I have that written on my bathroom mirror in big, bold letters, just all in. Cause I don't, I don't know any other way to do it. Right. Do I have the best ways? Probably for me right, right. now, until I learn something different, until I learn something different, until I learn something different. Right. It's like, it's this constant evolution. I think what makes uh, Lions and the Sheep really relatable to a lot of people right now is they've, I've used social media just to show my story. Mm-hmm. Like last year when we got our dicks knocked in the dirt with this this order, when I went from literally mom printing all the t-shirts to like ordering from a wholesaler and a supplier and ordering 30,000 shirts, like they've watched that entire thing. And so I use social media a lot to to share that story and to share the expansion. But um, it's I, I've got the race team. It's one of those things where like, I want to do everything. You said that earlier. I want it all. I want to do, I want to do everything. So I wake up in the morning. It's like, where do we want to put it? Lions on a sheep. Like, where do we want it to be? You know, I was talking this morning with the team about these wingsuit guys. And one of our new videographers has a buddy who's a wingsuit guy. I'm like, well, let's do some wingsuits. Let's get right. some fucking, let's throw some GoPros on their head and have them have parachutes to say lions, not sheep and shit like that. So, um, yeah, man, we're having a really good time, but you can find us anywhere. We're all yeah, over the place. You're all over the place. You know, but, well, come back, Sean. Yeah, man. Good to see you, I appreciate brother. you chatting, dude. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. uh, leading the way. Brother. Showing everybody what's up and uh, having having us commoners still around. I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, I took a shit on a gold toilet when I came in, but I was really surprised that, that you still allow commoners. Nothing hasn't changed you know? since you've been here last time. We just like, I'm worried 
fucking hooded. Right you got to have a key card to get in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they're, you know. And there's besides dog the gold toilet. Shit like that. Fine, gold. Dude, thanks for having thanks. me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, brother. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!